It's time to travel to the year 2000 as we get one step closer to discussing the debut album of Linkin Park. If that excites you, then we've got the cure for the itch. If not, well, you'll be crawling in your skin and it's too late to run away. Either way, in the end, it doesn't even matter. It's Hybrid Theory this week on Nothing Good. I just want to tell you that was amazing. Pony. <laughs> um, that was probably the best intro you've ever ever written. Oh, well, there you go. Well, thank you. Impress yeah. this guest. Uh, yeah. I Speaking of guests, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we have a special guest, uh, the one and only, a friend of ours for many many years now. Uh, Jeff Vandergriff. Did, did, did you forget his name? <laughs> <laughs> from like, Are you my asking name me is Jeff. what my name is? I was is? like, you know, hey, my name is Jeff. No, this is Jeff. <laughs> Uh, I've been a friend of Noah and I uh, for since, I've known you since I think 2004 or five. I'm somewhere in that ballpark. I can't remember exactly yep. when. I remember where, but I don't know what year it was. Yeah, it was at a Whitfield party. Yeah, I don't know if it was like a 2005. Around I feel like it was there. probably 2005. Yeah, it was in that time. Span. But our but your friendship with Mr. Brown here predates you and I. Yeah, not by much, but indeed, indeed it does. Yeah, I was I was lucky enough to be the best man at Jeff's wedding. He was true story. It's yeah. a special relationship, <laughs> Jeff. Or as, as I like to call you, and will frequently call you on here, Jafar. Oh uh, as you have been in my phone for 15 years. Yeah, I've been called many things. Some good, some not so good. <laughs> I go by many uh, names. I'll, I'll take it, whatever it is. He is our favorite sneaky fucking Dutchman. And welcome You're to Nothing welcome. Good. Thank you. I, I'm super stoked to be here. Yeah. Uh, I've been a long time listener, first time caller. <laughs> so thanks for having me. You Much are a longest time listener. You are, you are for sure our uh, most uh, ardent listener that isn't Peruvian. I will it's tell true. you something. I wanted to wait until we were recording to mention this to you, the, yeah. both of you, but specifically you. Uh, we, I've been getting some feedback mm. on some episodes outside of Jeff. Mm. <laughs> That's good. Right? People who are not directly our friends, oh. or like friends with me but don't know you, right? Okay. Uh, and uh, I've got some really good feedback on the Nintendo 64 episode. Cool. Um, some really good feedback on Children of Men. Uh, some, uh, and, and, and so far, uh, everybody that I've been talking to who've given the show a chance I've just really been enjoying it they're liking what we're doing so we're just going to keep on going we're going to keep on trucking we're as gonna best as we can keep doing this until everybody hates us yeah how weird is it that uh, the data would suggest that we've been listened to on six continents that's weird there's something wrong that's with the data weird. impressive First, whatever the fuck is wrong with the rest of the world <laughs> thank you keep it going we appreciate it you're clearly desperate for content and we're oh if you're desperate I'm going to give you some content. You may not be satisfied. But Most likely not satisfied. No, but you're going to get it anyway. Yeah, it and won't it be long. Off way more threatening yeah. than I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. That's very intimidating. Uh, so so uh, we are talking today. You are here, uh, Jafar, to discuss uh, the a quintessential record from the year 2000, mm-hmm. Hybrid Theory from Lincoln Park. Yeah, and you're, uh, in my opinion, uh, and I really wanted uh, you on the show for this episode, uh, because, you know, I can I fashion myself a pretty big Linkin Park fan. Uh, zero shame. I don't care who could, who who has a problem with it. Uh, you know, people Linkin Park can be very divisive for uh-huh. sure. But uh, you know, it's a it's the album, the group has been a big part of my life growing up. Uh, but 
you're probably the biggest Link Park fan I know. Ditto. What's Easily. That? Yeah. With, I mean, we're not even talking like there's no question. <laughs> and I mean that out of the both... ten people I know, <laughs> yeah. you're number one. And I mean that in the strictest terms as both a compliment and an insult. <laughs> so, That's fair. I'll you're going to learn this episode, uh, folks, that uh, Mr. Brown here. I, I, I we're going to figure this out now. Twenty one years later, it's a complicated uh, relationship that he is both likes Lincoln Park but doesn't. So uh, actually, I figured it out. Mm-hmm. What my entire complication, uh, complicated relationship with Lincoln Park is, and we'll get to it. Okay, this is we'll exciting. get to it later. I'm excited. But before to hear we get to Lincoln Park, uh-huh. uh, Jeff, Jafar, uh, we have a tradition here on the podcast. Okay. Uh, we like to dial the listener, who, as it turns out, in most cases is you, <laughs> uh, into what we're uh, we're imbibing while we talk about whatever useless bullshit that we'd be babbling about. So why don't you? Why don't we? Would you like me to talk about the beer? Oh, please talk about the beer. Because in my vast knowledge of useless shit that's in my head, <laughs> I'm also a beer nerd. Yes, he is. And on top of being a regular nerd, so uh, I'm a bit of a beer snob. But uh, Mr. Brown hooked me up with some decent beer here today. Okay. We're drinking uh, Oktoberfest, considering we're in the Oktoberfest season. Yep. Uh, by Lancaster Brewing, and it's quite tasty. It's okay. Yeah, it's. I think it's not as bold as some other Oktoberfests no. are. It's not as heavy as some no. of them typically are, but it it's tastes drinkable. really good. It's I, smooth. It goes down easy. Mm-hmm. I find like a lot of Oktoberfests that I have tend to almost like like your introduction to your winter beers. You know, start getting heavier. Not quite like a porter or stout, but yeah, you're not quite in stout season, but you're getting pretty darn close. Yeah, yeah. It's it's definitely getting getting heavier than a lager, but um, that one's kind of on the lighter end. I am actually not ingesting that. I'm having an, uh, a fall festival from Ellicottville Brewing, um, and it's all right. It's all right. I got it for my wife. Who wouldn't drink the Oktoberfest? And it's quite tasty. So. It actually is an Oktoberfest-style beer. And you can mm-hmm. tell by the artwork on the label that it has the traditional blue and white diamonds, which is notorious for Oktoberfest. Look at you go. Look at you go, beer nerd. <laughs> I love it. I told God. you. <laughs> All right. What we should we should do for future references have like like the Vandergrift beer list <laughs> yeah. as sponsored by Nothing Good, right? Yes. Oh we, oh, we should wait until we somehow get a seventh or even eighth continent if they ever discover one, <laughs> and then we'll have our own uh, uh, beer box, beer yeah. monthly delivery that oh Jeff curates. There's beers, a, beers of the world, beers of the world. Beer. all eight continents, <laughs> just a bunch of all angry Dutch eight beers. continents, eight <laughs> continents. <laughs> We're looking at you, New Zealand. <laughs> we know what you are. You haven't listened yet, but you don't even fucking you'll know what you're there. in for. Yeah, you'll get there. But before we begin, so I have a segment that I'd like to uh, to ask the two of you about. Okay. Uh, so as we are talking about Lincoln Park today, uh, hybrid theory, uh, Lincoln Park. It doesn't matter what they became, but goddamn it, they started as a new metal band. Right. And while doing my very minimal research into the subject, uh, I discovered something that gets me. So the segment, the game we're going to play is called New Metal or Urban Dictionary. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm like going to say a word or series of words. And you have to guess, is it a New Metal band name or is it something found on Urban Dictionary? Are we ready to play? Let's, Absolutely. Let's do it. <clears throat> okay, let's start it off. Give you an easy one. Spine Shank. That is a band, a new metal band. I'm gonna go with Jeff on this one because he see he answered really quickly. <laughs> that is indeed a new metal band. That is a, that Did is you indeed say a new metal band. Spine Shank. Spine yeah. Shank. Sounds comfortable. One word. Yeah. It's just oof oof. 
It's like when you were a kid and you jump on the floor without realizing what was going to happen. You get spine shanked. <laughs> yes. I first met Andy Dufresne. Like, that's what the sisters had her way. They made him listen to spine shank. Okay. Okay. Next one. Clawfinger. That's something from the Urban Dictionary. I, I agree. New metal band from ah. Sweden. Ah. Clawfinger. Man. They are actually largely credited with starting the new metal, the, the slap kind of a bass sound that would happen. Yeah. Eh. There's that, that oh, one. That All right. Here we go. Next one. Langer. <laughs> Lank, spell it. L-A-N-G-E-R. All one word. Langer. I'm still going with the Urban Dictionary word. Same. Yes, it is Urban Dictionary. It's a uh, British term for penis. I did not know that. There you go. I would have defined it totally differently. Yeah. Langer longer. Yeah. Two more. Here we go. You ready? Yeah. Wargasm. <laughs> I'm going to say Urban Dictionary. I say New Metal. New Metal Band. Dang. Wargasm. New Metal Band. I'm really upset that that wasn't an Urban Dictionary. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to hear the definition of that and how yes. it came so up that, with That would be amazing. But it is, it is indeed a New Metal Band. And the last one. Hoobastank. Are you trying with that one? First of all, Hoobastank. First of all, I'm, I'm going to say Urban Dictionary, it's Urban Dictionary because, because that's it's not, not a new metal, a new metal band. band. Okay, yes, first of all, it is not a new metal band. I just wanted to read the Urban Dictionary definition of Hoobastank. I didn't even... Just to say, first of all, the first definition is a very mediocre band. I, so mediocre. Entry one, I run out of good music to listen to, but I don't want to listen to anything bad, so I'll listen to Hoobastank. <laughs> and the reason is you. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> that's a hoobastank you are, was, you are out of control sir <laughs> that was so well played I don't even know how to follow up with that <clears throat> here we go I'll follow up with the Urban Dictionary reference to hoobastank the incredibly fragrant aroma of fecal matter from one's insufficiently wiped ass typically noticed during doggy style sex from the receiver by the giver if you aren't sure what it smells like take a shit in the toilet <laughs> And then turn around and stick your face in the bowl and inhale deeply through your nose. Here it is in context. I start. Do we need context? Oh, oh you're going to get context. Okay. I started pounding Laura last night doggy style, but she hadn't finished her paperwork. The hoopa stank was so bad, I lost my wood and had to try something else. <laughs> wow. Hoopa stank. That's it. That's a, and that's our first and possibly only rendition of new metal or urban dictionary. That was enlightening. Um, get ready for the at-home version. That was... I don't even... That was something. There you go. Learn something new every day. That is the... <laughs> that's the most research I put into this episode. <laughs> Other than listening and to I'm the record. All right. With all that in the back burner now. There it is. <laughs> we can talk about the album, right? Mm -hmm. So, we're talking hybrid theory. We're talking the band that... I went... Obviously, didn't start new metal, but they really yep. made it palatable. For the masses, oh. I feel really confident in that statement. Right? Uh, it is the greatest selling new metal uh, album of all time ever. Diamond. It went diamond. It's the only album by a new metal artist that went diamond. That says something. That says a lot, actually. I mean, yeah. it's what twelve times platinum. Yeah, uh, it was also the most highest selling debut album of the twentieth century since like Guns oh, N' Roses in '87. Yeah, that's incredible. Which is wild. Yeah, there's a lot of amazing bands. That came after Guns N' Roses that did not sell nearly as much mm -mm. as somehow Hybrid Theory sold. For so sure. that says again a lot about the the timing. The timing was everything a lot in, in a lot of ways with Hybrid Theory. Oh, yeah. Honestly, uh, and, you know we we're fortunate enough that we're that generation that like we stepped right into that. 
ingested it as it was you know? happening, man. Yeah. Uh, so let's start from the beginning, right? So when do you remember, Jeff, hearing Linkin Park for the first time? Yeah, so I remember, I guess it was summer of 2000 when One Step Closer came out as the single. And, you know, if you look at music in general at that time, so Linkin Park wasn't the first new metal band that that sort of genre had been defined mm-hmm. for a few years. You had Corn and Limp Bizkit and... You know, you guys touched about it, touched on it in the Eminem episode about how much teenage angst there was. Did you drop an app? at that point mm. in time? Available, available in the time. archives, by yeah. the way. <laughs> Just go back a few episodes. <laughs> um, but at that time, like that type of music and that sort of anger that was sort of mm-hmm. in the ethos was driving people to MTV, and it was like sort of this weird time because, you know. MTV played music then. They did. Music videos and TRL was a big thing. And you saw Britney Spears and NSYNC and Mm. Backstreet Boys and Limp Bizkit and Korn in the same top 10. What a weird time. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it was weird. weird. Uh, TRL, man. Yeah, it was starting to get that sort of mainstream play. And so I remember seeing or hearing One Step Closer and then seeing the video on MTV in that summer and I was like wow this is such a unique sound compared to everything else that is out and I think for this album in particular and maybe two others in their entire catalog they leaned heavy into that angst Mm -hmm. Um, and you could really see and hear that come out in in Chester's vocals in particular um, and the heavy riffs in in most of the songs but it was it was just different it was a unique sound wholly different yeah Um, for sure how about yourself, Mr. Brown? Actually, so I can remember the exact moment that I, I heard of Linkin Park and heard Linkin Park. When Hybrid Theory came out and the video was on, I didn't catch the video first, but there actually used to be a brief 30-second commercial from Best Buy that was an ad for Hybrid Theory. Mm. And I can remember, it showed a clip of the video with, uh, was it Chester Head Green here in the video? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Right they around. They were in the, the sewers. Like yeah. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. It's and a I, weird ass video. I, yeah. And yeah. I heard the hook, and it was stuck in my head. But I and it took until watching TV enough to see what it was to go. So my it's, that's that's how I first heard of Linkin Park, and I only heard that quick little thing featuring the hit "One Step Closer." And I heard that, and I heard the thing. So I literally went to the to the mall and bought the CD based off that commercial. Uh, and I actually didn't. You didn't see go to Best Buy, so. No, that that is Best Buy is the one okay. I went to. Yeah, literally. I was but say, the Best that was Buy failed the advertising. If you went yeah, to the I mean, mall instead like, of Best Buy, <laughs> I went to Sam Goody just to show Best Buy. With the FYE, shout yeah. out to FYE. But Gone, uh, not forgotten. No, yeah, and actually, the first video I ever saw was Crawling or In the End, one of the two. After that, something far later. Mm-hmm. But I, don't, I still don't think I've ever actually seen the One Step Closer video, except from that clip from that thirty seconds. That thirty you seconds. You're not missing much. The video makes no sense. Did a lot of videos make it, any yeah. sense? Then? Some do. Like, to be fair, crawling makes sense. Like, just from, if you watch the video, you're getting a, kind of an, an idea of what's happening, what's happening to this yeah, character. it's part of the experience. Right? But yeah. one step closer, zero sense. Uh, <laughs> and, and so, to much like Jeff here, uh, the first time I have ever heard of Lincoln Park was on TRL. Mm. Um, and I, that was back when I watched TRL, which I can't even believe I even watched as much as I did. Um, I saw One Step Closer, and it's funny, like, even in seeing the, the, watching the video, hearing, hearing the music, I'm like, ah, that's alright, you know, but it wasn't 
I wasn't really super interested. It didn't resonate. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and, and, and in full context, like what I'd mentioned in uh, our previous music episode, um, Eminem, especially at that age, I wasn't super music. Um, I only just started getting into like burning CDs with like my own songs. Like good old Napster. Yeah. LimeWire, BearShare, the whole nine yards. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I saw the video and I would I would see it over and over again right like I'd watch I would watch Terror Roll constantly you know because there was nothing else on TV yeah, after yeah, school when you got home from school yeah. there it was uh, yeah. it, it wasn't really until I uh, saw in the end uh, that I went oh what's this mm. now this I can get with because at, up until that point. I mean, I had only just started dabbling my toes in, in, in rock or, or t- alternative or anything heavy. Like, I literally didn't listen to any of that. It just wasn't my thing. Like, the, and, the, and actually, here's a little backstory with my interest in, in rock and roll in general is rock and wrestling, right? Because yeah. growing up, most entrance so- songs are heavy riffs, a lot of drums, yeah. bass, guitar, you know. So that was, the, a matter of fact, it was uh, WWF... WWE, WWF, the music volume four. Ah, the one that with, the ones that opens with Jericho's song. Yep, yeah. I bought that album, and it was like technically the first rock album I ever purchased in my life, which is weird. But but I would rock that album over and over again because okay. there was some good jams on it, right? Because right? I was a big, such a big wrestling. Dino fan. Brown's theme on that uh, <laughs> was just I was a sniper mm-hmm, for me. Mm-hmm. It still is, <laughs> honestly. With that, oh, so, but I'll tell you so what, good. it was the bridge uh, that I always say that uh, in the end. It, it bridged the gap for me mm. uh, because there was rap in it, right? And it was not only, it was heavy, you know, in the chorus, but there was rap in the verses. And I'm like, I can get with this. This this was something different for me. Um, yeah, and that was the last single from the album. That, mm-hmm. that single didn't come out until October the next year I, after the I, album that was That sounds out. about right. You and and that, that was really, I mean, we'll get into the songs later about how that basically made Linkin Park that song in particular but you know if you look at my upbringing in terms of music so i grew up listening to classic rock in my dad's car when he was yeah. driving us around as a teenager i got really into hip-hop but also really into metal mm. um and so there was always sort of this juxtaposition so for of, what, right of what was going on and if you look through my old cd books it's like metal album rap album metal album rap album um and so when i first started listening to Linkin Park I'm like they're like rapping over this and there's like influential like hip-hop beats even on the songs that are heavy there's Mm -hmm. still like this undertone of you know the way that Johan mixed with Mm -hmm. the with the turntables and was dropping those beats in and I was like I can really get behind this yeah there was like there's rap electronic there's yeah turntable there's yeah there's a ton of influence there's so much happening and if you grew up in a certain way like listen to specific genres of music Linkin Park was a, an amazing bridge to being brave enough to dip, dabble into like. Something so what's else. this Foo Fighters all about? Yeah. We try that out. Yeah, uh, no. that's literally but, how, how it happened yeah. for me. Yeah. I think uh, I, I think it's really interesting because of any any issues that they come up for me along my journey with Linkin Park. The production of Hybrid Theory will never be one of them. I mean, to this day, what twenty one years later, we're just. Pat, we're literally in the month of the 21 year anniversary of this album. The guitars 
still crunch and they still hold up. It's not like listening to a classic rock song, which even 10 years later sounded dated. Mm-hmm. Even the guitar tones from grunge stuff is was dated by the early 2000s. Yeah. This shit holds up production-wise. It, it's, so it's actually it ahead of its time. A lot, yeah. Most of that album, the way it was done, was ahead of its time. Yeah, and if you listen to new metal and EW metal, like yeah. newer metal bands that are out now, you see a lot of influences that come from Linkin Park specifically, but still nothing that sounds like that. Mm-mm. And even on current rock stations, they still play all those Linkin Park songs, even all the way back to Hybrid Theory. As, so it as, still as, holds true. Yeah, as, as, as lame as it may sound, I mean, a lot of those tracks are timeless. Yeah. They just, they hit. Yeah, I have to, the, the songs that they'll play off of Hybrid Theory, I would agree with that. It's, I, I really think my, my biggest problem with Linkin Park doesn't get started until later into their run. Uh, and I, first, first of all, I, though I adore, uh, spoiler alert here, folks, though I adore Hybrid Theory in a lot of ways, I still think Meteora is a better album, right? At least from a production standpoint. It's when they, where it started for me, when I had to take a step back and go, what the fuck is this? It's the goddamn Transformers song they did. And I was like, what is this? And I I'm mean, going to sit there, what the fuck is this? That was and then, the first Transformer song, yeah, yeah, not the yeah, second one. Yeah, well, I don't, any Transformer song. <laughs> anything associated with the Transformers fucking yeah. movies, except no, even Megan Fox. Even Megan Fox. I'm like, what is this? But it made me start to... And I feel like I started looking back on the Linkin Park that I liked with that... Hmm, it's like, do I really I know, know you? Like, what, <laughs> I'm not sure if I could trust you anymore. <laughs> Now I know what your intentions are, yeah. sir. And this is like kind of going far ahead on this conversation, but kind of, you know, you brought it up. I mean, a lot of people that I knew uh, when we were young who were big Linkin Park fans were like, I don't like the direction they're in. I don't, what's this weird pop bullshit music they're making? My thing is, I've always appreciated their willingness to just do what the fuck they want to do. And, and not only do what they want to do, but do it so well and do it engineered in such a quality, like, Years later, right? Like even like the last two albums, I wouldn't say that they're my favorite Linkin Park albums by far, but their ability to just grow as a as a human beings, right? You can't be mm-hmm. an angsty adult, like really, right? Those two first, those two albums, those first two albums were like very in line with being young. Oh my god, so being angsty. hungry, yeah. piss and vinegar. Yeah, those you were their two metal. Fuck albums. you, mom and dad. Yeah. That bullshit, right? I mean, that's Meteora, and that is definitely hybrid theory. Hardcore hybrid theory, right? Which is why it resonated with so many young people. Oh, for sure. If you took hybrid theory, all the music out of it, and you just had Chester's vocals, and you just pictured Chester in his driveway screaming at his parents, <laughs> it all checks out. <laughs> yeah. It all completely checks out. But, but then, then when he gets angry, how, older, yeah. How, how angsty and so mad about life can you be when you're a multimillionaire and you're selling you're selling out stadiums around the world and traveling the entire world so like on that level i respect the group going no that's not who we are anymore we literally grew up we're married now we got kids we we're 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 doing things there are bigger pictures like so many of their songs were about social commentary like yeah. Mm-hmm. How many new metal bands are really doing that? Right, growing that you wanted to as hear artists. what they had to say. Yeah. Least, you know yeah, I mean? yeah, and if you look at the first two albums, I mean, none of those songs were like saying "fuck you" to their listeners for the sake of saying "fuck you" to the listeners. You no. know what I mean? And so they leaned heavy into metal, and then after Meteora, they started experimenting more. Mm-hmm. Their style mm-hmm. had changed over the years, and you can see that progress through all of their albums. And then 
The Hunting Party, which was their second to last album. They're like, we're going to go back to our metal roots because that's what the fans want. The fans, maybe the fans we lost along the way, we'll bring them back with that. And that album was fucking heavy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then after that, they went to One More Light, which One is Light. their most diverse, really good album, non-metal too. album which, ever, which was very divisive to their fans and you know led to a lot of yeah. Interestingly enough, band. you really like uh, Meteora, like you think it's better. I really, being a fan of Linkin Park, really didn't like Meteora because it felt like it wasn't Meteora. It, it was felt more like it was, of the same. It was Hybrid yeah. Theory Part 2. I see. Yeah. It, I think in a way it was, uh, for, for me personally, I think it did have a lot of the energy from Hybrid Theory that made it. And I know we're supposed to be talking about Hybrid Theory, but fuck you, Peru. We're, we do what we want, okay? Are you're, you even listening in, anymore, Peru? You're in my house. Okay? And also, before we, I keep going on that thought, I just want to say to our new listeners in <clears throat> Israel... Algeria, Canada, the United Kingdom, Austria, Australia. Fuck you. Oh, boy. Welcome. Welcome to the family. Thank you so much. Welcome to the, the Nothing Good Nation. open to come and kiss one of us on the mouth. Uh, Preferably Jeff. Yes. Definitely Jafar. But if I'm back, I don't know if I'll be invited back. We'll see. <laughs> that's By the way, Peru, it's nice to meet you. Critique our beer and make out with our audience. That's, a, that's <laughs> not a bad job. That's no. a win-win. But, uh, uh, so, yeah. So, and the angstiness is uh, often my least favorite part of listening back to old Lincoln Park. But I thought Meteora was like, so uh, Hybrid Theory has some really good songs that kind of stand as a collection of good songs, right? Yeah. I think Meteora flows as a record, right? Oh, and it, it it's not a bad record. No, and it flows oh, as an album that's produced that way. And it also, they lean into that, as, it's still the hip-hop and the rock and the metal hybrid, but they lean into what would eventually become a signature part of their sound, which is the electronic production, mm-hmm. right? Using that electronic and reverb as a segue in between to create even if it's only for 10 seconds, that ambiance mm-hmm. in between tracks that like kind of catch you into it. So I think that's why uh, when I reflect that if you ask me which one of those two song records would I put on if I had to choose one, I would pick Meteora. But then again, too, yeah, there's some, there's some, there are some slappers on Hybrid Theory. I can't, I, there's, there's absolutely no way around it. Yeah. Some shit on Hybrid Theory, it comes on, your car can't get loud enough sometimes. Yeah, and 100%. I, and I think, you know, as a, as a big Linkin Park fan and, and, I think I can speak on behalf of all the other th- three Linkin Park fans that are out there. I, <laughs> I'm not sure how many more there are. But most fans who know the, the entire catalog, Hybrid Theory is not their favorite uh, favorite album. It's not mine. Um, mine is Minutes to Midnight, which happens, Midnight's so good. happens to have the, the Transformers tr- song, song on it, song so on I there. apologize. But is that, that a little bleed out on it, right? Yes. Yeah, that's a that's a killer yeah. song. I don't care what you yeah. say. Yeah. So, but Hybrid Theory, it still holds up so well today, and it's so good. Granted, a few portions in between, but from yeah. start to finish, you know, even listening back twenty one years later, like that shit holds up. So let's dive. Okay, so I had the idea I wanted to maybe like uh, we don't have to spend a lot of time on each song, but I think it's a pretty short album, so I think it warrants some you know our thoughts on particular songs and that'll give us an opportunity to say what you think is the underrated song the gem or the or the, this yep. song really doesn't belong on this album and i'll start off with you know paper cut which mm. uh honest to god man paper cuts like still top five linkin parks top five linkin park songs of all time hands down top three songs of all time that song no matter when i hear it that's that that and like you just go oh shit here we go you know it's gonna hit hard 
it's gonna knock you right in the face. Yeah, and it, it's one of the best lead-off songs on any album. I can't think uh, of one hundred percent. It's from a, from a pure song composition standpoint. Uh, it's the smartest song on that record because of the way it absolutely and it does very few songs on the record. I don't think any other song does it this way. Definitely doesn't on that record. But uh, starts off with that vibe. Gives you the definitive Linkin Park sound. Mm-hmm. Then starts with the verse, and by the end, you're you're blending two to three different melodies at the end of the song, and it just builds, and it 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 builds, and, it builds. and so it doesn't matter. The next song on the album could just be Mike Shinoda like farting into the microphone, but you're hyped for whatever it is because it ends <laughs> you're, on such a you're it ends on a ten, yeah, 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 it ends on a ten. So just from a, it doesn't matter if that song is kick ass or not, which it absolutely fucking is, right? Yeah. The composition and the way they layer that is an incredible opening track for anybody's record. So, Plus, yeah. as a as the first album for a new band, like that's a hell of a introduction statement. Like, oh yeah, it's like the here purest Linkin Park this song is there who is. we are, mm-hmm. and you can hear elements of all all their influences mm-hmm. just and every in that single first player. song. Yeah. yeah. And you know, I I was, you know, I took my little notes here and I'm like listen to the song. Uh I, I listened to each song two or three times doing my research cuz I wanted to really like listen to it with the lyrics up, listen to it again, just listen to it and then like take my notes the third time, right? Mm-hmm. And listening to it, I'm thinking to myself, I love this song. I've always loved this song. The song sold the shit out of me when I put the CD in, my little CD Walkman the first time, right? But now as a grown ass man, and I'm listening to it, like really listening to it, the lyrics, I mean, they're generic as shit. Now, here's the deal. No, here's the deal. Hear me out. As generic as the lyrics are, that's not a shot at the band. Uh, but, because this, this whole album is about a lot of, like, a lot of mental health stuff. And this song is very mental health, right? If you really think about it. Yeah. Um, because you're dealing with bipolar disorder, depression. You know, a lot of people that I've, I've known in my life, you know, who deal with significant levels of paranoia, schizophrenia, like, that's what it's like, right? So, but, as generic as those lyrics really are, it's not the lyrics anymore for me. That, fuck, the music. Oh, yeah. It does, it's, like, it's an experience, yeah. It's there's really a, the way it aggressive. Feel, yeah. It's almost tragic sounding. It's, yeah. it's scary sounding. Like, it's trying to hurt you. It's trying to harm you. It sounds like a, like a horror movie. Like... Yeah, does that make sense? What I mean, one hundred percent. I I think. Um, I mean, yeah. So I, I would never tell somebody uh, that I consider myself a lyrics first person. I'm a vibe first in a song, and then what you say second. I think, which is why Lincoln Park. Uh, I, I have such a hot and cold relationship mm. with it because you can't help but listen to the lyrics in a Lincoln Park song. So, oh, yeah. so then I'm now now I'm critical of it. You know what I mean to a certain extent. And my, my biggest problem with the song's lyrics uh, uh, is that he says paranoid or paranoia like 90,000 mm-hmm. times in there. But I always, th- I didn't really see the song as being about mental health as much as I thought. The song being called Paper Cut as one little thing that makes you go completely apeshit, right? And that's what I kind of always interpreted as this, here's that little tiny little little thing that you blow out of proportion because you've got so much shit on your mind. And, you know, when you're an angry yeah. 15, 16, 17-year-old kid, you're like, Yeah! Whatever, <laughs> but for me, remember I, I I bought the album on thirty seconds of a clip. I did not expect Paper Cut when I went home and put that in my boombox. Yeah. You went, I'm like, oh, what the <laughs> fuck is this? Yes, and because and it's one of those I things that I, and I and I think we we've all done this with certain songs, and this is one of the first times I remember doing this, where you're listening to a song and you're liking it, but then you get to that one part that you didn't expect coming, and it makes you feel away, and you immediately hit back. 
mm. to hear the song ever again. Like, how did I not yeah. see that coming? Mm-hmm. And it builds up into that. And whenever that the the he, he, uh, when Chester sings and then. Mike comes in yep. with that chorus. That's the, end, the like, best part of the whole song. Back right there. Let's the last let's... 60 seconds of the song are Go the best on. parts yeah. of yeah. the song. Mm-hmm. When they, they harmonize together, and you're just like, you're just, you feel that. Like, you really feel the the, the music. Oh, incredible opening track. And and to, to kind of preface this whole album, right, uh, doing a little bit of research, and Jeff, you probably know more about this than I do, but a lot of this album is about Chester's kind of upbringing. Yep. And a lot of, like, the sexual abuse, the drug abuse. Yeah, uh, it was his release, basically. Yeah. Which is why, like, I think, like, I I look at this song, I go, What's, to me, it's about mental health, right? Because mm-hmm. just thinking about, like, you know, there's another part of me underneath that's questioning everything I do, telling me that I'm not good enough, telling me that I can't. You have the same problem, but mine is, maybe mine is worse. I don't know, right? Uh, and, 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 and on top of, unfortunately, with, you know, with him uh, committing suicide, it gives all the songs a whole other layer to me of sad. Yeah, it, it makes you listen a little different uh, 100%. on the back end. All, all uh, the songs. Sure. Mm-hmm. And even and, as you get older and, you know, your taste changes and, you know, changes in your family and you're just growing as a person, mm-hmm. you're like, back then, like, I was just rocking out for the sake of rocking mm-hmm. out. I didn't really care what the lyrics were. Mm-hmm. I just could feel it. Yeah. You know, whether it was Chester screaming or, or Mike rapping. And now it's like, those lyrics were way deeper they than anyone was really... Especially that the Chester heavy songs, you now knowing what he was already dealing with. Oh, yeah, you with, can feel it. Right? Like, uh, from what I understand, like, when he was a kid, he was being sexually abused by a neighbor, I believe, or something mm-hmm. like that, who was that's, also sexually abused. That's why he was doing it to him. Yeah, it was from age, I think it was like ages 7 to 13. And then his parents Oof. went through a messy divorce. And then he started doing Getting the drugs, drugs and so, like, drinking by the time he was like 14. All these songs yeah. that are like, I'm like, oh man, yeah, yeah. And now I'm like, that dude was saying some shit that was in his head. Well, yeah. So I teased earlier in the episode that I had uncovered what it is, and this is this is a weird weird vibe for me uh, because I was listening to it for this podcast. I was like, all right, let me ask myself. <laughs> all right, what don't I like about Lincoln Park that makes me react so? In a, no, no. I was gonna say bipolar, but that's tasteless. And such mm. a such a back and forth manner on it. And this is this is where for the only time, probably in the history of this podcast, where I will put a disclaimer. So the thing that I like the least about Lincoln Park is Chester, because I find it's too whiny, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know when when what happened to him happened to him. Uh, I just opted not to listen to any Lincoln Park. Because I didn't feel like, was I just being critical because I didn't like the way he sounded when he said it? Or the way he made me feel, you know? And it's almost to a certain point, now like kind of unpacking about it. Mm. It makes you, it's so direct. And it's, it doesn't mince words with a lot of what he says. Mike's the clever one, right? right. He's the one doing yeah, wordplay back and forth. Yes, he's the lyricist. And, and, and Chester's putting his heart out on his sleeve, Right. And I, th- I, for a second, I thought he, for a long time, I thought he was whiny, but really, I think it, it's so direct that it's uncomfortable. Yeah, you know what I mean. Especially now. And mm-hmm. I think that's what it is. It makes me. It's like because he's he's always mixed so high on the right. He dominates. You know, in the vocals, that's a good thing about Lincoln Park too. Is that you can never say, oh, the vocal was buried in that song. I didn't quite understand. You know, every syllable what they're saying in those songs. 
And it's just like, I think in years, as I get older, I'm like, yeah, it's not that he was whiny. It's just I did, wasn't really prepared or emotionally in a place to hear what he had to say. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's what that's what I said. When I, like, what do I go back and forth about Lincoln Park? It's like, was the problem Lincoln Park or was the problem me? Really? <laughs> wow. Right? That's deep, deep thoughts with <laughs> Noah Brown. You know, and it's interesting. I was in the same boat as you with that What I've Done song, right? Like, first of all, fuck Transformers, the entire franchise, not the cartoon, not the, no. the, the toys, but the movie. Michael Bay. Just fuck Michael Bay. Well. With a cactus. So, he uh, commits suicide. And now when I listen to that song, I hear it. What I've done. Erase myself, cross out what I've become, all that shit. It's totally different now. Mm. I'm telling you, like, and I have felt moments now when I'm like, because I, I have so many Linkin Park songs in like rotation and like different playlists all over the place, and like a song will come up I haven't listened to in like ten years, and I go, "This is fucking sad." Skip. It's just heavy. It's too much. Because I know, like, now I because I only really learned about a lot of the abuse and all that shit for the last like four years, and now it like adds this layer of bullshit complexity that I am not prepared for and I don't want to deal with. Much like kind of what you're saying, I, it's 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 heavy, right? Yeah, not not necessarily just thinking about what he's saying, but the way that he says it. Mm-hmm. And even though to some it's whining, yeah, uh, he has one of the most unique and distinct singing voices for oh, a rock sure. band that I've ever. ever heard. And he's and, technically amazing. Yeah, and he can turn that scream on like that, um, which most people can't do. But there's something, even when he's screaming, there's something so melodic mm-hmm. about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, his range and his control to make you feel that way while he's also, you know, getting that personal release out. And these are my emotions and I'm throwing them out there, whether you, whether they resonate with you or not, because everybody perceives music and lyrics in a different way, but whether it resonates or not, it's, it was good release for him, I think, to be able to just scream it all out. There was a, there was an interview. I'm sure you've seen it, Jeff, uh, where it was maybe the year he committed suicide. He was talking about what it's like in his head uh, and how, like, his identity. Like, he says, and it was so chilling to me because, I mean, I've known people personally who deal with this stuff. And you don't phone that shit in just for attention, right? He's like, you know, it's scary in my head. He goes, you know, I'm a bandmate. I'm a father. I'm a husband. Like, but when I'm by myself, it's not good. Yeah, it's a scary place. And, like, that thought, that idea, and I'm so lucky that I don't have to deal with that or struggle with that, uh, to know that, you know, I sometimes hear him sing, and like even live songs, I'll catch something on YouTube or something, you can hear in his voice that pain's coming out. He's letting so much out, and it's just never ending. Yeah. Uh, but uh, let's move on to the next song. Yeah, <laughs> sounds good. Uh, yeah. Song number two, One Step so Closer. I'm going to go and say it is the most overrated song of this entire album. <laughs> So are we are we mixing our uh, so before we began we had like a little uh, list of things are we gonna go back to that or you want to mix them in as we go uh, with our as we hit the songs that get to our favorite or least yeah yeah favorite. that's fine all right cool I just want to know for future references we get for the paper cut was my favorite song on the record by the way don't blame you no it's not mine but no. it, same it's it, a good choice ten years ago it was but not anymore yeah no I just can't it's 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 you know it hits it hits so hard every time. And it's the one song that if you ask me to put one on from Hypotheria, you bet your sweet, sweet Peruvian ass that <laughs> I'm going to put Paper Cut on. Uh, so, yeah. So, that was it. One step closer. Uh, 
you know, it's one of those, I don't, I don't dislike it as much as I dislike some of the other songs on this record, or at least I don't think it's as overrated as the other ones. Um, but for a lot of people, it's the first thing you experience mm-hmm. from Lincoln Park, right? Mm-hmm. So exactly. it's always going to be, I mean, pick another band that you love, right? Beastie Boys or Muse or something else along those lines, right? There's always that one song that, that takes you all the way back. That takes right. you there, that you get you get entered in on, and then as you listen, you're like, oh, and then you're, you're way past all that other yeah. stuff. But that there's still that entry-level song. So, so because it's the first thing you heard from them, I couldn't put it at the bottom. You know what I mean? Because yeah. it's the it's the thing that hooked you enough to pay attention to it. You That's know, a at least, fair least point. My end. That's a fair point. But yeah, I yeah. Uh, the the song the song is definitely a uh, totally recognizable riff. Opens up that. Oh my song. goodness! Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's very like if you had to say hybrid theory in one song, one step closer. It's not a bad way to. Yeah. To go into it. But. Most people have heard One Step Closer at least once. Yeah. Even by accident, pure accident. Um, but I, I think that it's it's not a bad... Again, there are no bad songs on this album. But that is definitely... I feel like it gets more praise than it deserves. Being uh, There are far better songs on this album than One Step Closer. It's just, again, like much like Papercut, it's a very Lincoln Parky sound. Yeah, it's yeah it has a, has a special place in you know the overall catalog of Lincoln Park. I agree, it's not... The best song on the album. I don't think it's the worst. It w- it's been overplayed a lot. Oh yes. But when you hear it, you immediately know, like, oh yeah, Lincoln Park. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's like that. Anthem. Now that I'm thinking of Lincoln Park, I'm gonna go listen to the songs that I like. <laughs> it's the yeah, anthem you know? for like really angry oh, teenagers. Yeah. So pull that up in my Spotify and add a couple of different songs to yeah, my queue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It comes on next time. I'm, but it I'm sucks you back in, and that's yeah. that's all you can ask for. I mean, yeah. The guitar on that song, the tone on that though, you guys gotta give respect. That is a you know that not only that riff, but that guitar tone. People have I I guarantee for years to this day, people walk into a music shop and they're like, "I'm looking to get amplifier, please." <laughs> what kind of sound are you looking for? One step closer. <laughs> say no more, fam. And then they go over. I got say no more. Yeah. <laughs> they got you. I dig that. Yeah. I dig that. Um, so we got uh with you, uh, which is a really good song. I think I put that in the like. It doesn't really get enough attention. I'm not again not one of the best songs, but it's a really good song in itself yeah, for what th- it's trying. That's the story it's trying to tell. Yeah, and that song I think is the first song on the album that really highlights the turntables. Mm-hmm. Yes, because the first two two songs they're sort of over down over overburdened and downplayed by the guitars and the heavy riffs, whereas here like. They lead with the turntables and they lead that into the, you know, that the first verse, and and you don't see that in the first two songs at all. And yeah. I think that's when you first start being like, oh yeah, by the way, this band has a DJ, right? Yeah. And it's not like a DJ who's just up there like doing a mix with a sample. No. It's like he has all these sounds, these technical and electronic sounds that he's basically reconveying as instruments through his one instrument, which is. One of the, the unique Johan does Lincoln not Park get the play days. he deserves, I think, in the greater like vision of Lincoln Park yeah. because without him, the sound will be so different. I know. I mean, mm-hmm. we, we just got done uh, fluffing all over Meteorola, uh, but uh, but that's that's like that's almost like his record to a certain extent, right? Because of how it's produced. Uh, I think, it, t- yeah, I, I agree with you on that one. You only hear like sl- little splashes the of the turntable yeah. just in transitions, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And the yeah, first two sure. songs, and this is the first one. 
uh, and then you get much later and, and on his song in the record, right? That uh, that you're like, ah, oh, there's a whole guy here. Okay, cool. <laughs> it's a human being yeah. on this song. Actually, this song, the song, I remember when I listened to this album over and over again. You know, 21 years ago or 20 years ago when I actually ended up buying it, um, I didn't like the song at all. It, I didn't resonate with me. I didn't vibe with it. I just didn't. I couldn't connect with what Mike was trying to say. Um, now that I'm an adult. And I've lived, and I've loved, and I've broken hearts, had my heart broken. I've I've lived with people, not lived with people. I, I have a whole understanding of this song, and I don't even know if that's what they're trying to convey. But like the, the line, like even though you're so close to me, you're still so distant, and I can't bring you back. That shit's heavy, actually, because we've all been there on an emotional level with somebody, right? Whether it's a a partner or a friend, uh, a family member, that feeling is real and that's what that I, to me that's what that song is even about is about like life gets in the way of love or friendship and you can be blood related you can be in love quote unquote but you're you're not even you're at least sleeping in the same bed with somebody or you know best friends and hanging out every day but you're not you're not really there with each other anymore you know what i mean that's what that song means to me the thing that, that I think with you really kind of illustrates, and paper cut to a certain extent, and then as we get later on in the album, is I think with you is a, a is a definitive new metal deep track mm-hmm. because you really hear the fact that a big thing in new metal in 97, 98, especially 98, 99, 2000, was the seven string guitar that, you know, Korn used and Seven Dust used and it adds that extra oh, low man, seven dust. A- extra low dissonance. And you hear that on <laughs> with you whenever they're hitting that chorus and it's why it sounds so so dissonantly minor but still so powerful is because mm-hmm. the, the seven string guitar literally adds a string lower than your standard and that's what you're you're playing that minor again on there. So it's a whole different feel. And when that came on I'm like, ah, they did use a seven string guitar in this record. Got it. You're two thousand of it, right? <laughs> so that's like the thing that with you. I'm like, oh, mm, there's that. There's that standard, like, because you take that out, that could have been early. That song, take out Chester's vocal, right? Mm-hmm. That could have been a Finger Eleven song. Mm-hmm. Could have been a Head PE, right? Could have been a Hoobastank song. Could, could, could have been Could have been Hoobastank. Mm, Hoobastank now, <laughs> kids. <laughs> I I highly encourage you to Urban Dictionary Hoobastank on your own time, but don't Spotify Hoobastank. Hoobastank, you know what you've done. You don't get any fucking rub from us here, right? Especially you, Algeria. You know what's up. Keep going on. <laughs> so anyhow. Points of authority. Yeah, so points ah, of authority. Four. Which is, man, talk about a like a, like a 180 for me in a song, right? Because when I was young and I listened to it, I fucking loved this song. The song was a banger. I, I would just get fired up with it. You know, it was just got a good vibe to it. It had so much going on mm-hmm. in it, right? And then years later, I find out what it's about, and now I don't really like it at all, <laughs> uh, because it's about sexual abuse. And uh. it that I, I, I mean, it's still a good song, but it's like eh, it's kind of fucked up actually. What he's trying to say. This is the first song that uh, my brain got really mad at me for realizing that it wasn't Collision Course when I was listening to it. Like, ah, ah, my brain's like, oh, you suck. Yeah, you drive down the street. Yeah, like, oh, I'm sorry. No, we're listening. To, we're not listening to Collision Course. This isn't an album on Collision Course. My brain's like, fuck you. I got a funny story about Collision Course, um, which 
Jeff here is wearing a Collision Course shirt, which I Very own. Very tasteful, vintage. By the way. It's vintage. It's vintage. I don't, I don't I know. I own that shirt. They're really pushing that shit out today. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it's interesting. I remember the conversation that I had with one uh, Mr. Brown here mm-hmm. about Collision Course, about the potential of the album, and yeah. I remember where we were. I don't. I don't remember obviously what what day it was, but I remember we're sitting. Either in a car, and we were discussing, and I said, "Hey, man, I think Jay Z and Linkin Park are gonna do a thing." And uh, I remember you going, "Fuck that shit! That sounds stupid." I yeah. remember so vividly, you were like, "That is like the worst idea." And I'm like, "I don't know, man. It's, this could be something else." And then oh, it came out, and you were like, idea. "Oh shit!" Yeah, well, because I think MTV was doing the mashups at that time. And they right? never did it again. They never did it again. No, no. I don't and, think and any, so, so, but you heard the hype for it, right? You heard the hype yeah. for it. By the way, I have like I know we're doing hybrid theory, but I have like four notes on Collision Course. So good. And I'm just gonna ask this question now uh and this is my very last note here did chester ever get his fucking cappuccino i don't think he did no probably not no no that's why he's so angry <laughs> right so Maybe. uh no but yeah and i i remember i also remember having that conversation and being completely disinterested until i fucking heard it it's and so I well said, done oh god damn right because uh, as we mentioned in the eminem episode uh, uh jay-z in the late 90s was fucking untouchable. Oh, yeah. Untouch- mm-hmm. He's still untouchable, but he was super untouchable at that time. And mm-hmm. then Lincoln Park, for him, and, and here's the thing, is that I'm sure for a lot of white people who never listen in the almost the exact opposite of what we were talking about earlier, who never really got into hip-hop, Lincoln Park was their first real experience into that. And then they, quote-unquote, gave Jay-Z the rub. But really, Jay-Z kind of elevated Lincoln Park oh, up into the stratosphere. Absolutely. And they never came back down. Absolutely. from that yeah so yeah. and it's, it's collision course is a fucking masterpiece is what it is and i don't know if you recall so that year when that right after that album came out was mm-hmm. when you and i drove to new york city yes for that event and we fucking blasted that album almost the whole way the whole eight hour drive so good, yeah. I, my only <laughs> and problem, it's only six tracks yeah. yeah i was gonna say my only problem with that whole album is that it's too damn short yeah Oh, yeah. That There's needs so six more tracks. Easy. So much potential. But that's the whole point. Sometimes you want to leave them wanting more. We well, just, they did. We just never got them more. You know? Yeah. It's, uh, I, I, you know, it's, it's, it's been said a million times, but it's MTV did this thing, you know, and then it was so goddamn good. How, on any level, can you follow this? You can't. They, so you just can't. never so do they it just again. Stopped. They're like, yeah, we don't do that anymore. No, you're like, yeah, mm, no. So anyway, we're actually not <laughs> TRL. only we're not, not only are we not going to do that, but we're going to stop doing music eventually. Yeah. So, uh, how do you feel about road rules? What do you guys think about Teen Moms? <laughs> teen Mom, whole bunch of Teen Moms. You got to feel real guilty at one a.m., aren't you? MTV Teen Moms. <laughs> so we got crawling. So to me, crawling is a hundred percent like when I think of. Radio rotation. When I think of radio play. I think of crawling. Mm-hmm. It may not be right. I think maybe in the end's probably a bit more. But cr- I, I it, crawling just reminds me of hearing it on the radio, right? I've, I, I, if you had asked me what is the most played Lincoln Park song, what's the Lincoln Park song you heard the most on the radio ever? It would be crawling to me. And this is a a really good song, uh, and it's very unapologetically Chester Bennington, right? Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think that I've ever heard. Any other song of his that is just pure him. It's just his song. And he does it in a way that, you know, no one could do, right? Uh, his sound is just fantastic. Uh, the song is really basic, really. Like, it's not a particularly complicated song, but it's still such a hard hitting. The first time you heard it, you did not expect that drop. Yeah, so that was the second single of the album that came out in March of 2001. 
Um, that was my favorite track on the album. It wasn't at, okay. Of at least then, it's not now, but mm. um, back then it was. And Chester's performance—that was their first Grammy they won mm-hmm. for their performance on "Crawling." Um, and wh- if you look at, if you sort of break down the fundamentals of that song, you can see how the foundation of that has. You can see influences of that in every single album for the rest of their it career. Hit. It definitely hit for them. That, go ahead. I was gonna say for me, like at the time, I was, I would jam out so hard to that song. It was easy to jam out to. Yeah, yeah, and and now, like looking back on it, like yeah, when you think of Lincoln Park on the radio, that's the song you think of, even mm-hmm. though, you know, One Step Closer was first, but uh, that's always like that's the song that'll bring you back to it, no doubt. For sure. So on our uh, aforementioned question, uh, least favorite song on the record. Ah, we found it. Yeah, it's it's crawling for me. Just because I think there it is, in retrospect, uh, it's the least, it's the most simple composition. Yeah, in the it's entire very, very basic. Yeah. yeah, very basic. And on an album where I was, after not listening to it, at least since he passed away, probably years before that, right? Being blown away with how well they... Uh, layered in mm-hmm. and with the session at the end going back to that refrain with that opening synthy guitar line right uh how well the entire album is just, is basically written right with the exception and then crawling is the most basic thing i think that's why it comes in as uh least favorite for me that makes sense and it's not his perceived preconceived whininess that i i have now <laughs> since discovered is really is, he is was, it was a reach for help yeah yeah it's exactly fault. what it is and I, I, I willfully ignored it for 20 years that that yeah. song is uh, supposedly about his drug abuse as his addiction and and struggling with the the choice and not really having one right so like every song uh i reviewed i would write down like just words like whatever popped into my head and just uh lack of choice is the first thing to thought of like you know you know people who deal with you know drug abuse and 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 addiction into us on the outside it's like we have a choice right you just don't do it well it is definitely not that easy i know there's a whole world yeah it's not that simple yeah yeah, and that song really conveys that to me yeah and i think there's there's a whole there's a whole subtext of of i think most people will never know and so, so for most people it's a it's a choice right right but it's like it's like you you never know what you don't know Right and and I think yeah. I think his his pain is indicative of that. I think so. I would agree with that. Yeah. I would agree with that. Uh, so man, we're on track six, and I will tell you this: this is my least favorite song. Mm. Uh, Runaway. Yeah. When I was a kid, I really dug it uh, a lot, and it's because I was a kid, and I was uh, super deluxe angsty, and uh, man, was I ever. Uh, but the song, like when I'm writing down, like what I'm thinking about it and I'm like, it's immature and it's very short sighted and it's very impatient, petulant. It just doesn't, it rubs me the wrong way now. And I like listen to the whole thing, but I didn't enjoy it. No, it's, if you said, what is the number one song most likely to be sung uh, after your dad grounds you to your room? Right. Exactly. (laughs) Run away. Yeah, exactly. And it just, and I get like the point of it. Uh, but for me being an adult now and understanding things differently, this song absolutely, if I don't have to listen to it ever again, I will not listen to it. Yeah. That's how I feel about a different song later on this record. Oh, it's gotta be good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm curious what it could be. Can't we're getting wait. we're getting close to some bangers here. So. We're getting there. What about you, Jeff? What are you? How do you feel about this one? I'm indifferent for this one. Yeah? Yeah. Neither. I, I, it was one of those songs I liked a lot more. 
mm-hmm. when I was younger, yep. when they all first came out, than I do now. It's mm-hmm. what, like, now if I had to listen to four songs, that one and a few others that we've already discussed would be skipped over. I would agree. So that gives us to track seven, By Myself, which is a fucking gem to me. It's, it's a slapper. This song, it was always good. I always liked it. But now going back and listening to it again, because I haven't heard this song in for a while, uh, is just, it, it, it has an energy to it. The, that guitar riff and how dissident everything is, I still, I, this is the only one of the songs that I listened to more than twice doing the review for this because I couldn't fucking figure out if it was a sample that was that dissident chord in that in that in that thing, or if it was just an, a th- a, another guitar track layered on. I'm like, okay, all right, I gotta figure out what this. I still, I'm still like, first time I listened to it, I'm like, okay, it's that. And the other time, I'm like, nah, nah, I don't, I don't know. It's, I think it might be someone singing through a vocoder to give it that extra like ninth on that chord there. And it's and it's nice because like Runaway was so. I mean, it was aggressive, but it Meh. was very sad. It was very like, well, you know, but you know, by myself aggressive and it had so much more energy mike got a chance to come back on oh, yeah, and my, do mike his was... thing that he does so well and and, and something that i used to always say to me a lot when we talked about lincoln park years ago is that you know you typically like the songs where mike kind of had the reins and chester mm-hmm. kind of just backed him up and, and provided good vocals in the background and i'm like thinking that i'm like this is this is kind of the song that noah would like it's yeah. it's got a good vibe to it and it's very introspective it's very self-loathing but at the same time it's like there's growth to be had in this song Right. It's a, it's, it's a, it's such a, you're talking about like when, how crawling came in and you didn't expect that. I mean, like you just, you, you're never quite prepared for the visceral nature of when by myself kicks in. And I think I like that very much. Yeah. And you can really see Chester's range in this song because mm-hmm. even though he's loud, it's, there's this melody and this tone to it. And then when he turns the scream on, he turns it on full throttle mm-hmm. The, like the last and it hits hard. Seventy seconds of that song is so good. Oh yeah, and I think that's in, uh, indicative of what a lot of Linkin Park songs do. I mean, even the later stuff. I mean, it, love them or hate them. Uh, and I think you could even really kind of put the whole band, but Mike Shinoda too. Even with with the stuff that he's produced post, he knows how to build shit up. Right. Oh right? uh, yeah, no doubt. I mean, like the catalyst, right? Like how so good? Oh my god! Like like talk about like a payoff at the end of that song. <laughs> yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? And I think you you get like micro versions of that through the stuff. You're like, I, it's like it's a treat for being invested all the way through. That everything comes together at the end. You're like, ah, there you go. Or, Thank you for your time. <laughs> yeah, for for as crafty as he is with a microphone, mm-hmm. he is a master of Pro Tools for he sure. Absolutely is. He absolutely is, and he he became a hell of a guitar player too. He plays, yeah. He plays a he lot plays of instruments. Every instrument he does, yeah. Like it's, I, I always joke with people and say I feel like Mike Shinoda is probably one of the best musicians, like ultimately in the world, because of what he's able to do, what he's able to play and play well, what he's able to accomplish, his ability to write. Yeah, you know, he wrote a good portion of like lyrics, right? And then Chester would come in and add his own thing. But like, dude is super talented. Yeah, and the millions of dollars he ma- he's made while doing all of it is a is a little little icing on the cake, right? Yeah, and then like you know, listen, you're talking about Fort Minor, goddamn, like a fucking amazing album, right? Yeah, Fort That's Minor so good. Uh, will forever get played in sports stadiums <laughs> and EA sports games for the rest of the time. He can, he can retire on that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, let's, so we're, we're now we're going to talk about the song that bridged the gap, man. In the end, man, like I can tell you, I had many friends growing up 
when this when the album was like now officially out and it's been a long while who would like you know growing up in, in urban areas you know people who did not listen to rock and roll did not listen to screaming and they're like fucking rocking in the end like singing the lyrics of the song because it was so good in the end that piano loop in the beginning it's, it's so iconic yeah you just know it when you hear like oh that's in the end right the song it's definitive yeah i think the song if i went through a period where i thought the song was pretty like that's eh, okay uh when i first heard it, i thought it was amazing then i went like that's nah, okay now that i'm an adult and i'm older and i'm like i've listened to so many more songs and i i can say that now that i'm listening to it it's really good like it's exactly what it needs to be it's composed really well it's very tight all the songs are actually i mean they're really tight and they're really you know straight to the point but in the end is so well written for what it's supposed to be and gets a, a point across gets an emotion across Chester does his job amazingly. Mike crushes it. It's simple, straight to the point. It's not complicated. Uh, I really like that song a lot. Yeah, that specifically is a song that made Linkin Park. Linkin Park. Oh, I would agree down, with yeah. that. Um, you know, that's one of two of their songs that has over a billion streams and downloads. That and Numb off of Meteora. Um, but that particular song is what got them mainstream play on pop stations. I believe it. And there was like... At that time, there was some overlap. Like they were playing, you know, every once in a while you hear Limp Bizkit song. Hear something there, yeah. Um, and you'd you'd hear, you know, random things on alternative rock stations. Like mm -hmm. you'd hear Eminem playing. I know they played it here on the X and in the X in Detroit, where I listened to it when I was growing up. But that particular song, in the end, like that was what broke everything for them. I mean, that's what busted the whole thing wide open, and it was their last single uh of the entire album it was chester's least favorite song yeah, apparently he did not like <laughs> he that did song. not like that song at all and the rest of the band was like i think we know this this song is is gonna you know make it for us like this is this song is gonna make the band and when they started playing it it was like holy shit all bets are off and here it's, we are and you know the key to a good song for me personally uh is my ability to remember and regurgitate the lyrics to the song mm -hmm. right and man, it is easy to follow along with that song. You know, he raps just fast enough with a good cadence that I can remember everything. He's not going too fast, not not, not too many, you know, triple, quadruple entendrons, and, and he's just getting straight to the point. I know that song backwards and forwards now, still, to this day. I don't listen to it often, but I still know. As soon as I hear it, I know exactly what's coming. What about you? I already know. I feel he's like quiet look over on there. your face. Yeah, he's he's got some shit to say. You're gonna tell me this is a song <laughs> you never can never hear again, right? Yeah, I uh, I don't like crawling, but uh, I can't sit through in the end anymore. Until the end. <laughs> Until the end. Yeah, I can't do it. Uh, and I I completely agree with everything you're saying. Like it's absolutely the song that made Lincoln Park from a one hit wonder or a tolerable one album band. You're like, oh, these guys got legs. Moving on. But uh, it's, I think every all time, and I think that's what's important to note about Lincoln Park is that they are a legendary band, and they have they it, it didn't take them very long to get to that echelon that you kind of look back in retrospect, but they're up there, right? They're mm -hmm. absolutely up there. But I think everybody's every legendary band's got a song that you could just prefer to not ever hear from them again. I hear that. And or Sandman, my Metallica, right? Mm -hmm. or, uh, 
uh, God, pick pick any song but Hotel California from the Eagles. I mean, any of that other shit, right? Even Eminem's got music that I would prefer never to listen to. Right. A lot of stuff from those first couple <laughs> records. <laughs> right, like, right. Ugh, it was ugh. great then. Now it's like, oh boy, that's kind of cringe. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm allowed to, I feel like I'm allowed to say that I, I understand what the song did for them and how huge the song was. And it still is. It's still, it's enormous. It's enormous. like a billion, a billion listens in the 21st century. And it's an incredibly right? important song. Yeah, I think just musically, culturally, for a lot of people. It, it absolutely was super well produced because, like you said, that iconic piano loop, right? Uh, I, ju- I just could go for never hearing it for the rest of my life. That would be fine. I think there's a certain echelon of songs that I would like to instill that instead of me voluntarily listening to. I would like to charge people royalties to have to hear. Uh-huh. That might that I would if you said you can't do it with that one, it'd be fine. But goddamn it, like Sweet Home Alabama, you better shut the fuck up and pay me if this song is going to go on. Every Kid Rock song I've ever heard in my well, fucking life. That's a whole other with subdivision. With the exception of Ba with the Ba, just because I like the intro until he opens his fucking mouth. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The ba, the ba. And it comes like from way back. It comes from like three blocks away. That's and coming goes, from his mouth. Ah, Next. <laughs> Spends like a day and a half getting to that point. Like, that's it, that's, that's I mean, now that you really bring it up, honestly, whenever I have random music playing, and I, I literally have no Kit Rock on any of my playlists. However, mm. you ever like listen to Spotify and it, your playlist ends, you don't realize it, and it mm-hmm. just jumps to something they think you'll like? Oh, I put a stop to that shit a long time ago because it's shit like this. But and yeah. then Kit Rock will come on and go, what the fuck? Skip. I don't mm. listen to Kit Rock ever Mm-mm. because... I'm no longer a teenager. I feel like if you listen to Kid Rock, your phone is going to listen to you listening to Kid Rock, <laughs> and then you're going to get like natural light coupons <laughs> in your email address, a lot of Facebook ads for inflatable shit for your oh lawn. My God. I can't do it. I'm not trying to take the piss out of anybody. I highly doubt anyone in Israel listens to Kid Rock. Dude, you never yeah, know, right? So they might be behind a little bit. They might be, or ahead. Who knows, <laughs> who knows what he's about to do, right? Yeah. But no, no, that's, that's yeah. But uh, in the end, iconic, sure. Uh, but yeah, that if you said what's the one song on Hybrid Theory you're gonna skip, it would be, in the end. Yeah, I hear that. Um, I respect that. So, of course, it, it doesn't even matter. Ooh, oh, I like that. Twice. Um, Still got it. Yeah. So uh, this leads me to track number nine, and man, I've been looking forward to getting to this because this is to me, without question, my favorite song on the entire album. And on top of that, I think is the single most underrated song on this entire album mm-hmm. place for my head mm-hmm. is so goddamn good uh and no one talks about it it's not a song yeah, it's, that it's 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 sort of forgotten it is and it's weird until you listen to the album in its entirety and they're like oh yeah i fucking oh, forgot that, about that one's this right song. there it's so good it's right after in the end you know what yeah. i mean in, in your brain kind of like it needs a song or two to recover <laughs> from the big slappers yeah. right yeah so if you put a gun to my head say all right man listen you got to reorder a hybrid theory and track listing. Yeah. This is the first song goes on. Okay. And you're just like, oh, what's, wow, what's wow. this? And then, like, Mike just goes the fuck to town, right? Like, simple lyrics. Always simple lyrics. He doesn't really get into complicated, more deeper meaning lyrics until years later, right? But, but I mean, like, was it? I watch how the moon sits in sky in a dark night with the light from the sun, but the sun doesn't give light to the moon, assuming the moon's going to owe it one, right? So, that line 
It's so it's simple, but it makes so much fucking sense because we all know oh. that feeling. Well, he's clever as fuck. We all too. had roommates because yeah. I mean, really, it's it's about living with somebody who's kind of a piece of shit. <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> let's be real. There. We've all been there before mm. in our lives. You know what I mean? <laughs> And what? <laughs> you like laughing and you turn to me and went, know what I mean? No, <laughs> fucking serious. No, For the listeners not. at home, these two made super awkward eye contact. Just no, a but I'm, ago. I'm trying to drive home a point, right? Because, <laughs> but, that, but that's what that's, and I knew people personally who would. Yeah, a mediator in here. Would relate uh, that song to a situation they had with their roommate that they didn't like. I literally have had these conversations with people. I'm like, that song is so angry it is so fed the fuck up. It's about to punch you in the face. And I love that. Yeah, what I love about that song, not only the song in general, but its placement on the album. Mm-hmm. Because you're coming off of that slow piano at the end of In the End. And that song is so chill. And then it just comes in hard. Yeah. And it, it's relentless. Absolutely. Throughout that whole track. And if you look at the speed that Mike is rapping from one song to the other, the contrast, you're like, damn. This guy's good. Mm-hmm. I actually that, have a... So, yeah, just to kind of add a note, when you asked us what our underrated and overrated song is, I have the first half of Place for My Head as the most underrated song uh, on the record. It's because it's Just so, the first half. Just the first... Just because it's, it comes out of nowhere with where it is. And it, <laughs> it, 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 it is a unique vibe, and it's the drums. The drums are the tightest that they are in the entire album because he's... All those... The hi-hats and... Brr, breaks. And he breaks, and it's just, it just like... For a second, it's almost like... It could have been a different band for a second before mm-hmm. the first chorus. You're just like, oh shit, what is this? And it takes you to a place. And I just thought, and then when it gets to the to the breakdown with the you try to take the best of me, and it goes, you don't like that part. I I think it goes back to something we've heard from the rest of the record. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But that first half of that out that song, it's especially for where it comes from. After in the end, you're like, ah, ooh, mm-hmm. where you going? Where you going? Where you going? Okay, okay. Yeah, I just love it. It's just a lot going on in that song. Uh, it's just a lot of a lot of noise, a lot of sounds happening, being layered. And I just and live that song's pretty goddamn good too. Oh, live absolutely. that song is amazing live. Uh, but I mean that Linkin Park's amazing live period. So, um, so we are now on Forgotten number ten, which <clears throat> irony. <laughs> uh, another to me a gem of a song that is talked about even less. <laughs> yeah. But it's also a really good song, too, because Mike really gets to do his goddamn thing. I yeah. say goddamn a lot. I'm sorry, people. No, don't, it's don't a thing I, I can't... I, I really try not to do it, but I just Sunday. do it. God damn it. It's God a fucking it. problem I have. Um, but no, but seriously, uh, Forgotten is... I really... I've always really liked it. It's one of those songs that I liked when I was younger, and I, ne- and I just forgot all about it. And then I listened to it, and I'm like... I forgot how good this is actually, and like the like the the end where Mike's kind of going back and forth, and Chester's kind of like humming in the background, like the ooh, like that whole part is really well done. Yeah, that that is actually my favorite song on the album. Nice, and it, and it wasn't at the time when it came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they did the the reissue last year for the twenty year anniversary, when I played the whole album back for the first time in a long time. I was like, man, this song's so fucking good. Yeah, it's and, really And good. even now, you know, listening back for purposes of this show, uh, that's my favorite song, hands down. And and a lot of it is because of the way that song finishes with Chester real 
It's sort just of in the background. melodic in the background. Mm-hmm. And, Mike's just and doing Mike's his doing thing. His thing. He's yeah. just chewed and he's chewing and he's just spitting. He's yeah. just doing his thing. I think it's really ironic that it's called Forgotten because of all the songs that I had a memory of and where they were in the album, <laughs> I had completely forgotten this song fucking existed. Because in my in my head, it goes from uh, in the end to a place from my head straight into pushing me away. And I, like, I forgot, like, <laughs> like, 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 and I just yeah. like when I, I'm like I, for some reason like that's where my brain latched on. Like, oh, okay, and I'm driving like. Mm. So yeah, you like the song, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the second half of the album, with the exception of in the end, right? I think uh, it's it's just it's tight, and I like the vibe of it. I think the whole album is again, spoiler alert, extremely impressive, right? But uh, I, I I don't have a complaint with the exception of in the end about really any song. That and crawling, the two biggest songs on the record, <laughs> right. are my only two complaints. Probably because I had I've heard heard them so many goddamn times. In my Probably, life. But yeah, for sure. Yeah, my complaint about the record is the next track mm. cure for the itch you don't like you don't care for the itch that was i can I, tolerate it but for me it's like it's the obligatory we have a dj in our band yeah. we need a dj song but i don't and, and, but it it highlights the technique and the skill set of johan and it influences a lot down the road yes but like listening back i'm like i don't really need to listen to this 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 is the underlying mix of half of the other songs that are to come in the next 15 years yes. but it, it just felt like hey don't forget we got a dj back here He's and like, he, you know what? he can do some impressive shit so here's this track so this guy, a guy in the record uh, in the record label was like he's like scratched out of his face he's like yeah so canada's not going to carry your record without three <laughs> and more, more minutes of a track and you're like, we're, we're out of stuff I've, just like uh, first of all I'm still waiting on my fucking cappuccino second of all I poured everything I have into this record what can we do and it's like oh hey hey can you lay some shit down yeah give the DJ yeah. some just give him some yeah right. I thought I mean yeah uh, 100% that you would hear bits and pieces of, of like a thousand techniques he'd use and that other people would be influenced by because if you think about to me what's the most influential other band of the era that sounds nothing like this band that had a DJ was Incubus, right? Uh, mm-hmm. They absolutely made no use of their fucking DJ. <laughs> Same. Yeah, right? Same with uh, DJ Lethal and Limp Bizkit. Right. He was right? just yeah. scratching and sampling. <laughs> That's all he was doing. And then in later albums, yeah. he never even appears. They yeah. just, like, learn to play the keyboards to get the fuck out of the band. <laughs> right? So, but I, mean, but, I mean, they absolutely, absolutely made best use of it. Yeah, here. and as they started leaning more heavy into the electronic sound, I mean, that com- came into play oh, yeah, he, on he every, every yeah. song. I think I loved also too. I was I remember the song, but I don't remember. It's funny because of the music you ingest since you've last heard it, right? Mm-hmm. That, yeah, that there's some really huge lo-fi vibes. Like when that when the dynamics of that song are low, and I'm mm-hmm. like, oh my god, there's literally an entire musical industry now based off of <laughs> the verse of this fucking song. Like that, like like if that song itself would would have if half of that song would have come out. Three years ago, it would be on a Spotify chill and study playlist. Probably. It was like, isn't yeah. that fun? Right? Let's try something else. And then, <laughs> I remember going, mm-hmm. oh, whoa, hey, this is good. I wanted the entire song to sound like that. You know? So, so I, I think I think it's also indicative of a lot of the record in any way you just music. It's that if you find yourself here for, especially when it's as diverse as the group as Linkin Park, if you find yourself here for one thing, other parts could be quote unquote seen as disposable because it's not the thing you're here for, right? If right. you're here for Chester, then some of the other stuff may not be here. If you're here for Mike, then some of the other stuff you're like, oh, this is a Chester song, right? Right. So, and I think that's that that would be on the chopping block for what someone could perceive as a disposable song. But I think it's uh, looking back, 
on the foundation of what Lincoln Park <laughs> would become. I mean, yeah, it's fucking important, right? Yeah. Because he's like trying shit out, and the song's all over the place. Let's be honest, the song is completely all over the place. Oh yeah, right. But he would take about ten ideas in the song, and there, there's there's a chunk of Meteora, and, and there's I mean, uh, there's that one moment that he does at the end of the song. Uh, and it's like almost like a, it's like it's uh, I can't even think of the term for the effect, but it's like a, like it's the the synth or a sample spreads out like it's in the background, and it made me immediately think of uh, Roads Untraveled mm. uh, that would appear way way later, yeah. and I'm like oh far down the line yeah real far I'm like oh, but you but there's that there's that idea you're like ah oh, let's try this again and it would work and it's the one thing I can say about Lincoln Park is they really operate as a group, right. Yeah, the the collective is better than the parts. Yep, they like really like I've watched a few like documentaries on making of this album, making of that album, and like you never get a sense that one's doing more than the other, really, in a sense, right? They all have, they all come together, they all work on tracks kind of separately, come together and go, how can we make this better? And like I remember, it's something stupid, and it really is stupid actually, but I it stuck with me. I don't, know, I think it was the making of Minutes to Midnight. I think it was. But they were talking about how they were trying to open like their like their the palette of how they make music and like try different things and really really push what they were comfortable with. And then I want to say it was Brad Delson was talking. He's holding a, a toy robot. And he's like like shaking it around and slapping against something. And he's like the sound like we can make something. And like he wanted to use, and he used that sound in a song. And I wish I remember what song it was. And he like mm. recorded that sound just shaking this little toy robot, plastic robot. And altered it, and, and they did something with it, and it's a part of a song that made a million dollars, right? Like it, yeah. like they were just they were so willing to just do things to see, throw things against the wall, see if they stick. Yeah, yeah, because why not? And I respect that because that's it's gutsy, right? Yeah, especially once they got past Meteora, you know, those first two albums they were committed to sort of that metal sound, mm-hmm. but then they were like. We have a fan base. We have a shit ton of money. Let's just do what we want to do. We want, yeah. And let's it opened do- up the avenues of a lot of experimental stuff. Yeah. Let's not that, let's not do hybrid theory part three. Yeah, and right. it, it turned some fans off because they wanted more metal. Um, so they got back to that later down the road. But I think, in the general sense of the band, the ability for them to do whatever they wanted and to experiment with new sounds and new techniques and sort of push their listeners a little bit to mm-hmm. get them out of their comfort zones absolutely did that yeah often and 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 i would go i don't know then i come back to it and i'm like actually this isn't too bad once you kind of get past like what you expect them to sound like and go well this is just music what are they trying to say and, and, and i found myself a lot of songs later on that i'm like ah, i'm just not vibing with and i still don't uh, but then there's a lot of songs that if you'd asked me, you know, from 20 years ago, if I'd like really liked it, I'd be like, nah, this isn't what wouldn't be what I'd like. But I really, really like it a lot because it's I grew, I matured, my music tastes altered, you know. And you're and, allowed. Exactly. I don't know if anyone's ever told you this, but you're allowed <laughs> to grow and mature. Yeah. And what you think is awesome, what you don't think is awesome, what you think is funny, what you don't think mm-hmm. is funny. And so are the people who make the things that you like too. Mm-hmm. And a lot of fans don't really know how to handle that. No, because they haven't grown yet. Yeah. And if they don't, they won't. And that's why certain radio stations, particularly where we live, have literally decided to stop playing music after a certain era, and people love it. They're like, oh, oh my god, I'm going to hear Renegade by Styx for the 83rd time today. <laughs> yeah. I love, it's love four, that. It's 4.08 p.m. Renegade's <laughs> on so late. <laughs> so, uh, in, in, in talking about, you know, uh, you know, pushing fans away, let's talk about pushing me away. Uh 
That was my favorite. That's a song. hell of a segue. Yeah, yeah thank you. That's the first time I really nice tried that. I, never, I don't really normally do that. So <laughs> you do very clever. The, the wheel, wheels were turning in my head for like last three minutes about that. You know, like, as you're as you're talking, you're like, how can I get into the last? <laughs> how can I slide this can song? I do this? How can I just slip it in there? Um, yeah, you know, just to see how it feels casually. <laughs> mm. um, but anyhow, that was my favorite song on the record. The first time I ever bought the record. Yeah. Uh, made it through the end, and I can't remember what game I was playing. I think it was right around the time this album came out. Was when I first got into PC gaming, mm-hmm. and I, I think that it was, I don't think I was quite there for Star Wars Jedi Outcast yet. But around that time, I was listening to this record and uh, pushing me away as an angsty teen. <laughs> right. Uh, that song, and I think it's, it's funny. There's a lot of songs that I liked as an angsty teen don't hold up. But I like Pushing Me Away. Because, it's still a nice song. Yeah. yeah, it's a good song. And I think if you look at the first song and the last song, oh, they're, like, they're perfect bookends. Mm-hmm. They're so for, different. For that introduction to Linkin Park as a band. The way that song builds, you know, it's real mellow on the front end and it finishes heavy at the, on the back, on the tail end. I fucking love that song. Now, I really, I do like it. It's a good song. Uh, when I was young, I really liked it. Uh, and then I kind of just stopped. I think I listened to it too much, uh, and now I really don't like it. <laughs> um, but well, actually, the reanimation version is my favorite. Mm. That's that's in one of that's one of my favorite Linkin Park songs of all time. Even though it's not really a Linkin Park song per yep. se, but the reanimation is so good. Period. It is fantastic. But, I think it's yeah. We haven't even talked about it. It's uh, oddly enough, we haven't even mentioned it once until now. For for what it did, because it's a it's an entirely it's not Linkin Park. It's in, it's like the Linkin Park bass. It's like someone's like, here, I made chicken stock. Do whatever you're going to want to do with <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. So yeah. That's yeah. a remix because, album. That's all yeah. it is. But, it's, but I mean, it's, inc- it's crucial because I think, and this is one of those things, like, I think without reanimation happening at, because Nine Inch Nails for a couple of years before that had tooled the ideas of, here's a single that I'm going to put out. And then here's five different remixes of that single mm. on with the single. But there's, but it's not till reanimation hit and hits mm-hmm. and it became huge that people started doing that on the regular. Oh, why would I not just, I'll put out year zero and then wait a year and then here's a remix of year zero and then it'll buy me time because it technically counts as a release for me, but it's not really a release yep. for me. People did it all the time. I saw the Animatrix from the Matrix is mm-hmm. basically someone doing their version of reanimation. So we can, and we can really say, again, another way that Linkin Park altered the music industry 100% because it was a really well made album it's really um, well done that first track they do so, so good at that right the mm. first track is still that's in my, my rotation of songs to listen to and it sounds great in the, on a good sound system in your car man it mm. sounds so good get that low end going mm-hmm. yep but uh but yeah the the, the pushing me away is a good song it's fine uh, i just don't it's a little too soft for me you don't love it yeah it's a little too uh, it it, it's still it meanders a little bit for me yeah, you know, it's 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 a good song. It's definitely speaks more to 16-year-old Noah than it does 36-year-old Noah. Uh, and I think that's why, if, if you'd asked me in 2000, or winter of 2001, what's your favorite song? I would be like, yeah, pushing me away. <laughs> right? uh, but now now it's not that. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. I don't really cringe the way if I like, if I, I have a playlist on my Spotify that is my high school jams. Oh, boy. And uh, most of them are just there to make me go, God. <laughs> a fucking piece of shit. You that song's are. not on there because that song doesn't make me feel like. Thank you so much, by the way. No Almost went right past that one. <laughs> the listeners know. We yeah. all know. Yeah. Yeah. Especially the entire sweet nation of Peru knows just how it can be. But but that song's not on there because that song actually isn't as cringy as some of the other shit on there. But I just think it's one of those things that there's so many fucking bangers on that record mm-hmm. that 
I'm just the thing that gets me off, and the only note I have really about it is, uh, I'm surprised they ended the record with that, just because it's it, it doesn't commit as hard in any particular direction as some of the other songs. Agreed. Do, you know, but it's it's kind of like their equivalent of how a lot of bands end with an acoustic song. It's not it's not like their acoustic song, but they're like, listen, we went all around the spectrum here. Yeah, let's bring it down a notch. Let's and just I, let's even even keel it out. See, and that's sort of like. When I, I said earlier about like, okay, well, how would I start the song or start the album? How would I end the album? And I really feel like that song should not be the end. I mean, as, and, and I agree that it's a good bookend compared to that with Paper Cut. But if I were in charge of this, that song would be somewhere in the middle. But Crawling would have ended the album. I think the sound, that, 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 that drain noise would be a good way to end an album. Yeah. I even think you could have ended it within the end. Even though it might have been a little bit on the nose, just because that's an iconic loop. <laughs> that would have loop. been. <laughs> yeah, that's, it's an iconic loop. You know what I uh-huh. mean? Yeah, that's a really good idea. And too. you want to leave it. You want. You always want to leave them wanting more. Right. Uh, and I don't think pushing me away did that. It does not. No, it's it ends the album. You're like sweet, uh, but really, and I, I'm, it doesn't do any good on that record because you get to sit play again and start the fucking paper cut. <laughs> and you're like ah, there we go. There we go. That's, that's what yeah, I'm here for. It just loops right back in. So okay. We have covered Would you the mind album. If I snag one of these while we're while we're here, go for You're it. You're a beautiful man because I'm parched. <laughs> I'm uh, just let the dear listener know that I have drank my delicious beverage faster than my cohorts, and this is a parrot party dessert sour. Did you fancy <laughs> fancy <laughs> bringing sours in here? Well, Jeff's a man of culture. He is yeah. a, he he is a full on beer nerd, and I appreciate it. So uh, we've covered the album, yeah. cover to cover, beginning to end. Uh, and I think we did it justice, honestly. Um, I th- yeah, I mean, I think we did good. Uh, so, my question is, I mean, okay, this kind of goes above. You hear that? You like that? Mm. I heard that. Yeah. What's up, Algeria? How you doing? Oh. Wait, hold on. Everyone They're never going to listen again. Everyone else stop. No. Actually, Algeria has already listened more than Peru has. Really? Because I'm I'm in on our metrics. So, for the sweet North African listeners that came to hear what they came to hear. This, I want to see if they can hear it. Hold on. I want to see if they no, can No, they can hear it. Wait, 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 wait. It's me tongue in the can. Okay, this is for you. Mmm, that's nice. Not as nice as you, Algeria, but I'll think about it. Okay, so uh, <laughs> back to where we're I'm having a wow. private moment with you. We're having with an, an entire experience. North African country, okay? Oh, mm. Jesus. Uh, I mean, that was the worst thing in the world for me to be able to see who listens to our podcast where. <laughs> really? That's too much power. <laughs> it's getting very I'm, specific I'm get in there. <laughs> so uh, this kind of goes beyond hyper theory, but mm. I wanted to That's ask really the question. That's really good, though. That's really good beer. What is, the, the, the two of you guys, uh, your favorite Linkin Park song of all time? Oh. Overarching, period. Annie. Yep. Because I don't know if we're ever going to come back to Linkin Park ever again. Yeah, so I have a short list. I'll give you my top three. Okay. And three is three. a tie for two. Okay. So uh, tied for third place would be Waiting for the End. All right. Yeah. And Numb Encore from Collision Course. Don't we count in Collision Course? You kind of have to. Right? I got uh. it. Well then, first of all, because they- <laughs> I like it better than the original version of Numb, which is one of their biggest hits ever. But right. I think that version's better. Number two would be Faint from Miura. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And number three, my all-time favorite song and one of the best songs live is Bleed It Out from Minutes to Midnight. Bleed It Out is just yeah. a damn good song. Uh, the, uh, yeah, you... Uh, it's, so it's a strange thing because I always equate uh, Linkin Park with the two of you, right? Every As well we, you should. And, and, and uh, <laughs> yeah, the only time I've seen Linkin Park live, you both were there, <laughs> right? Uh, a side note, that's the night I slapped Chris Cornell right on the ass. I will never forget that. <laughs> yes. All I time. saw it happen. Mm, mm. And you were beaming um, afterwards. Oh, dude. I mean, wouldn't you if you slapped Chris Cornell straight on the ass? No. Yes. Yes, you would. You got to live vicariously through me. So now, And then you've shaken my hand since then. So, you know, you're three degrees to his, yeah. his that, left. That same show, uh, I was tailgating very early. And I, was, <laughs> I blacked out for Chris Cornell. I don't even remember that. I remember and you blacked. You I, was, out. I was asleep in the lawn. <laughs> At Star Lake. <laughs> and then when I came to, it was like the intermission between Chris Cornell and Lincoln Park. Mm. <laughs> I remember Chris Cornell. I uh, When Busta Rhymes was on earlier that night, uh, I had also been partying quite hard. And I started getting that overheated party mm. thing. So they had, thankfully, they had that uh, those like misters. And I just kept, I did a laugh. <laughs> like, for like 20 minutes, the entire Busta Rhymes set, I was out of my mind. I, and he just was going a million miles an hour. And I was just doing doing laps in that thing but um yeah bleed it out like you guys uh i remember hearing that song and i equated to the two of you the first time because it just it produced completely different is it yeah. feels like a band in a room playing the song it is just like a mm. jam big jam it is a jam it's that's awesome. probably the best way to, to yeah. describe it. it is a jam what about you now uh see, do you even have enough to have a top three? Oh, absolutely <laughs> i can tell you fun i mean i i'm gonna go i i really like breaking the habit from Meteora, just because I love how that that the vibe of that because I think with a lot of the other songs still that they've ever done, they they come in real heavy, right? But this one comes up with almost like a shuffle, uh, kind of a retro pop, you know, with that with that with a drum beat kicking in. Mm-hmm. And I, I, first time I ever heard it, I was like, that's completely different for them, and I liked it. So I put Breaking the Habit on top three, and then number one and number two, I would say have to be uh, Skin the Bone. And then oh, directly followed also by a good song. Then Rose Untraveled. Like that's like to me, if you said what's the Lincoln Park songs that you would listen to, I absolutely play those two songs back to back. Honorable mention would be the catalyst, just because again, big fucking payoff at the end. You oh, invest yeah. the beginning of that and the crescendo oh. that oh, is so hard. God, dude. It's like it's like the, the first time I listened to it, it felt like everything slowed down because of how how big it got. But you played me that that section, uh, uh you played me that record, and when I heard skin the bone and the way it transitions since road untraveled to this day that's that's still if i put like a park on it's those two songs in a row uh and you talk about songs that have a different perspective after chester passed away roads untraveled we've not Mm. put roads untraveled right Mm -hmm. and it's like oh there's so much last time i listened to it was like like, was like six weeks ago or five weeks ago and i just I was like going to pick up Permani Brothers with my family, <laughs> and I sat in a parking lot of Permani <laughs> Brothers and let the song finish, even though my food was ready. I'm like, mm, mm, it hits different now. It does. Yes. All those, so yeah. many, oh, so totally good. different. How about you, Doc? Uh, well, it's, okay, so we're doing top three then. Uh, number three is uh, Little Things. Uh, like, is little Things Give You Away, or is it just yeah. Little Things? Little Things Give You Away. Yes, Little Things. Yeah. So that song, uh, which. Is probably one of the most meaningful songs they've ever done. Uh, I mean, it's what record is that on? Is that Minutes to Midnight? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Minutes to Midnight, and it's about uh, you know New Orleans, you know, flooding. Oh, because that's the, the Katrina hurricane. song. Yeah, yeah. ah, and yeah. that song is they did, they did it on TV. I yeah. saw them do that. Yeah, it's yeah. a beautiful song, 
and live is so impressive uh and it's just it's got so much going on in it just like instrumentals there's just so much mm-hmm. happening in it and chester does just a fantastic job singing this song and it just it it, it means a lot uh and now obviously i've never been affected by the hurricane or the repercussions of it but mm-hmm. i just i feel and i appreciate the fact that they put a song out about that yeah. uh because they've always been known for you know outreach and things they, like that yeah, they're, they're big in the philanthropy yeah for sure yeah. Uh, number two, to the surprise of not a, one human being, is Place for My Head, because that song is a goddamn banger. Uh, yeah. It's just good. It's just a good song. I already explained why. Uh, but number one, uh, without question, it, when I heard it, I went, this is the best Linkin Park song I've ever heard. And I've never heard another song top it is Waiting for the End. Yeah. That song is it's just so good. dope. Like, at the whole thing, the whole song, like, at no point... Am I going, all right, are we going to get to the end? It's just good, beginning to end. Um, and it's it represents to me their transition, their growth as a, as a, as a band. Um, because it's nothing like Paper Cut. It's nothing like, you know, crawling. It's, not, it's, it's sad. It's introspective. It is aggressive in its own way. But it's got so much uh, maturity to it. In my mind, it has a lot of maturity to it. Chester gets to do his thing. Mike, he really gets to do his thing. Mike mm-hmm. really gets to do his thing. Mm-hmm. Everybody, there's so many sounds happening, you can't even tell what is what. And sometimes that's a bad thing, yeah. but in this song, I think it really fits. Um, but yeah, that's definitely my top three. Waiting for you. If it comes on, I don't think I've ever skipped that song once. Never. Yeah, I don't disagree. A strange song that I don't think I've ever skipped, and I, don't, I, haven't re- I think I only heard it nationally on the radio once, was lying from you. Uh, Good song. Because I just think I, uh, to me, it's one of those moments that's like when they hit the no turning back now, mm-hmm. right? And you're just like when you're listening to you're like, oh shit, that's that's good. And then collision course happens, mm. and it's just to me, it's just like a really cool thing when you heard it's like because you know you hear uh, uh, Chester or Mike do the parts from Jay Z. That's cool as fuck. But when you heard Jay take the time out of his day to do a Lincoln Park line, you're like. All right, that's cool as fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Him doing paper cut refrain, him doing the no turn it back. Now you're like, yeah. all right, all right, all right. It's like, put your jacket on. Like, on? <laughs> Sit up a little straighter. Yeah. When there was a documentary that went along with yeah. Collision Course, and when they played Faint Live for Jay Z, he was like, I can rap fast, but not that fast. Like, right. That is the fastest song I've ever heard. It's and a. It, it, just to see like that band live and. You know, I've seen a lot of bands live over the years, and there's a lot of bands that are just terrible, ter- mm-hmm. absolutely terrible mm-hmm. live. Yeah. And then there's some there's some bands that sound exactly like the album, like it's nearly spot on. And then there's other bands like this one in particular that they're so much better live. Yes. Like they're they yes. they're, they elevate their production to a level that is not matched by many. I and, try to explain and to, to see people. people like to see it change over the years. So I saw Lincoln Park in 2001 at Ozfest. Wow. Uh, they were okay. on main stage. And I'm like, you sent us that picture of the ticket, and I'd like yes. to post it on our social media if that's okay with you. Yeah, absolutely. Huh. Uh, so that was my first Lincoln Park show. They were on the main stage. It was Disturbed, and then Lincoln Park, and then Papa Roach, Slipknot, Marilyn Manson, and then Black Sabbath. Jesus Christ. Really dating yourself. Yeah. God. Yeah, uh, I used to go to a lot of metal shows. Like, <laughs> I see that. Uh, 
Did getting you, in the pit in the mud was a lot of fun. Yeah, did you wear? Did you wear an oversized white T-shirt and Jinko jeans? <laughs> I did. Yeah, there it is. I Pour am. one out for the juggalos. Mm-hmm. First time I saw them live woo, was definitely woo. Kickass. The X's Kickass Christmas in 2003. Yeah, with the Whitfields. Oh, yeah, nice. so so that first show with in El 2001 Nino. in puddle of mud. <laughs> so that first show, uh, Hybrid Theory was their only material. They basically played the entire album front to back, and uh, it it was one of those things like. You could just feel the energy from the crowd and from the band and, and them just getting into it. And then I saw them half a dozen times over the years. And mm-hmm. to see them progress as a band live. Um, and then I was fortunate enough to go to the, the Celebration of Life show that they I did can't in believe Hollywood you went to for, that. for Chester. And to see the band sort of recover from that, I mean, basically their entire life's work was put on hiatus because mm-hmm. of this tragedy. And to see them come out and do Chester Proud the way that they played and how hard they went. And they closed with Bleed It Out and they brought out basically every act that it sang throughout the three and a half mm-hmm. hour show. And every single band was out there. There was probably 40 people on stage. That's amazing. Uh, just belting out Chester's lyrics. And it was so fucking powerful and emotional. And it's awesome. I can imagine. That's super cool. Yeah. Because I've watched bits and pieces, because it's a long show. I've only watched yeah. bits and pieces of it, but I, I would have loved to have been there. I did. I knew they were doing it when it happened, but in doing my the minimal research I did for this, <laughs> did include uh, looking at the, uh, was it One Last Light, right? Or what's that? One so, More Light. One, one More Light is the last That's light. a sad-ass song. Yeah, well, I mean, just look at the whole last record, the album, right? Yeah. The whole album, and then, and then, then in his passing, and then I wanted to look at who was all involved. On that Lincoln Park and Friends, the benefit for the celebration at Chester, and it's like it's not it's obviously there's some heavy hitters on that right, and it's super cool. But I was like like the idea that you got Blink One Eighty Two on one song, and Alanis Morissette shows up, Machine Gun mm-hmm. Kelly, uh, and then you, you brought everyone back out uh, for Bleed Out at the end, and then what they played 30, 31 songs on that yeah, that's record? crazy on that, on that album three and, and a half hour show. set yeah that's incredible. But I mean, it does. It does. The catalog deserves it. it yeah, does, and it and it goes to show the impact that not only the band but Chester as as an individual made in the music community, and that not just Hybrid Theory, but their entire catalog, the imprint that they've left as a band, and no you know they're one of the they are one of the biggest rock bands ever because yeah. of not only their skill set, but you know what they do for yeah, the this... community and what they do for other artists to yes. help build them up and started their own record label and bringing other artists up so they've done a lot um and i have mad respect for them yeah you, i you, cannot you, yeah. i mean there's times in my life where i had to like them right you know i was like oh god lincoln park but like yeah if you're talking about like rock bands especially people that evolved from their first album to their last album uh absolutely absolutely top 20 uh, definitely if you i don't care about uh, adjusting for gross inflation or not uh <laughs> they, i, I they got to be in one of the most financially successful viable acts to ever come out right uh so anyone who's like oh yes they're oh you can like their music but they ever draw a dime like uh fuck yes, yes they yeah. did yeah, actually they absolutely did and it's like i don't even care I'm like I, like and i like the food fighters right I, I don't care uh i love the food fighters and you got to respect where dave Grohl's coming you can't deny that the food fighters in a time where rock music is very largely hurted and it's hurt and dead right right uh that they can still draw eighty thousand people and play for three hours is a hell of a thing right uh, but I don't see I don't see Jay Z 
doing an album with Dave Grohl, that's right? You know thing, what I mean? Right? And like, Jay Z owns a fucking stadium. He doesn't own <laughs> just like he owns the stadium, right? Like that's 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 a whole never stratosphere. And, and he gave him the stamp, man. And he kept kept giving respect. Every yeah. chance good. If you're big enough that Jay Z goes, I want to work with you. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's all you need that. to say to yeah. anybody who says who's Lincoln Park. Motherfucker, Jay Z wanted to work with him. Does yes. he want to work with you? Yes. No. Oh, I'm I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Did Jay Z want to work with uh, with Mozart or perhaps Chopin? <laughs> no, no, he does not. But he wants to work with the Lincoln of Park. Yes. Uh, so I think uh, I know you had some questions. Uh, Mr. Brown. Uh, I mean, we covered it. And we got, I would say we kind of largely. We absolutely did cover it. Uh, the only thing is, that's, I'm going to end it on a positive note, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, in doing my precursory research and really reading about how they, they produced the, that last concert, uh, and they, they tweeted, uh, somebody, I believe it was a guitar player, tweeted in March 2020 that they're working on new music to come out at some later date. So that's, The word on the street is they've been in the studio working on some new music. They said, you know, obviously you can't replace Chester. You could never try. A, but I, I think big Mike shoes is, to fill. But you know, yeah. Mike, Mike has gone on to do a couple solo projects. He mm-hmm. does a Twitch stream every day. I catch his tri- Twitch streams from time doing, to time. He's doing music and art, and he's uh, independently producing up and coming artists, uh, which is awesome. Uh, you know, I, I hope that. We get new Lincoln Park someday, but I don't know how I feel not, about it. If not, I'm gonna enjoy the shit out of what we got. You know? I I think it's I think Mike has come. If 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 the tragedy had happened, you know, around minutes to midnight, just when Mike was starting to really kind of come out at showing his multifacetedness, you might feel like I okay, can't do it without Chester. But I think Mike has grown, right? And he's he's he is, and I'll I'll, I'll put some respect on his name here <laughs> for a second. I think when you came out of when you look at NWA, you know, when they broke up and everyone came out of that, I mean, at the time NWA broke up, Easy e was the biggest star. Right. right. Yep. Easy, right? And then as you grow on, Ice Cube kind of became the solo star, but uh, Dre decided. Dr. Dre took off. He did. And he and it, the Chronic was great, but he spent the largest portion of his career putting other people over. Mm-hmm. But you can't deny his talent, right? I think Mike has kind of taken that out of the ashes of Lincoln Park. He's the Dr. Dre. So if you're going to put the band back together and just tell Mike's going to do 10 tracks where he's carrying the whole thing, Fuck it. Yeah. I'll put it on. Yeah. And uh, absolutely. And people will see it because at the end of the day, here's the the kicker is they could not do anything different than what they've already done. And the brand itself will get people to come out to the show. Oh, yeah. But they won't let it be shitty. No. So no. you know that even if all it is is coming back and playing the shit, the same shit they did, it's still going to be good because they they won't let it be bad. And that's kind of like that's a respect thing. It's like okay, yeah, you're not you're not cashing in here. You're not gonna do what so many acts of the day did, which is just oh, go out, play your hits. Who cares if you fall over drunk at the end of the night and then you know go to the next town the next? No, there's there's an investment. Yeah. They invested their time in. And it. I think for them, it's and I think they've come out and said this, you know, since Chester's passing and in interviews and stuff, is that they don't want to do it just for the sake of doing it. You know, they've yeah. they've made their millions. They're mm. not out to make a buck. Uh, if and whatever they do, they want to do Chester proud and they want to do right by the fans by not just trying to put over the fans. You know what yeah. I mean? So that's good. Well, you know what? Let's. Uh, I'll make you. I'll make you a deal. Lincoln Park comes out with a new record or mm-hmm. something new and exciting. Let's do another episode. Oh, we will absolutely cover this. We will cover that. And then 
uh, if we ever do any some, and I'm not making any promise, especially to you, the fine people of North Africa. <laughs> Promises are being made as we speak. No, uh, that if we ever decide to do any kind of bonus content on any of our social media, perhaps mm-hmm. uh, we'll cover reanimation. That would be fun, right? And we can talk I love about that us. album. Yeah, I think that'd be kind of a cool little 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 Brucey bonus episode, as oh. it would be, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think. It's been, been a lot of fun. Yeah, this has been yeah. awesome. Way to call. You're you're the first person. I'm the that first. Was, you are guest to sit are, in this chair. Mm, you're the first. I, yeah. I'm you never forget your first. Breaking this chair in so hard. <laughs> Before you never forget your first. Well, I was not woefully prepared. It's like I, I had bought the equipment to have another person join us on this endeavor, but I was like, oh, what am I? Oh shit, seating. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. But we don't Just need see. another seat at the table, like Roman Reigns. Excuse me. Oh, right. Oh, oh, boy. Oh, we we're Speaking <laughs> of Roman Reigns, uh, actually, as we record this right now, there's a pro wrestling pay per view, WWE pay per view going on right now that I'm absolutely not going to watch. Nope. Um, nope. I ain't got time for that right now in my life. I got a toddler. I had to pick between babbling about Lincoln Park on a podcast <laughs> or watching. WWE. I chose. I chose. I'm glad you picked us. I picked you guys. Appreciate you it. Guys. Sweet. But the night is young and full of terrors, and I and I do have to do laundry tonight. So well, I'll half pay attention. There you, you know, because Biggie's champion. That's big deal. At least at the time we recorded this episode, he, is. he might lose it. But my wife suggested that we all sit on the couch, like it's some sort of weird casting couch, uh, and I'll record. And I'm like, that that could go super good (laughs) but most likely super awful like whoever's in the middle that's awkward do not anticipate they would not let me sit between them we'd need video for that yeah yeah (laughs) just sound but moving forward i think this was a great time yes no this was awesome i i appreciate you guys having me i mean we've been friends forever and this is a a particular subject that i'm passionate about um and it showed but it did it did it's, it's been awesome to be here and hopefully i get a chance to sit in this seat again and Oh yeah, oh, that goes on. without saying. Oh, we're, we're inviting you back. We got some, we got some awesome. fun content planned for like further on down the line uh, that I we definitely want to get your 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 absolute insight on, and perhaps not at because you're an expert at this, right? And I feel like you kind of kept me grounded. I didn't mention <laughs> like or semen. There were zero sidebars. Yeah, no, really, That's we got weird. There. Yeah, well, the subject was, was really easy to get into like, right I, off the bat. I, I made I tried to trade myself this afternoon by saying, listen. These two really like this band, and, and my biggest problem <laughs> oh with this band God. was uh, is someone who's no longer with us. So try to be respectful, but also uh, I was also wrapped around with like how can I very tastefully sexually assault our new listeners? With, but at the same time too, there's a lot of international diplomacy going on with these guys. You gotta so watch get, this shit. You gotta get murky, right? We yeah. got Austria now, right? Like, and I haven't tried a shitty Austrian accent yet. Give me time. We're not there. Right. But, Thankfully, um, we're not going to ease into that. Speaking of shitty accents, I guarantee that next week's episode, <laughs> you're going to do a shitty accent because we cover, strap in folks, the 1990s cinematic masterpiece, <laughs> Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yes. You excited for that one, Doc? Oh, you have no idea. Yeah. Like, I look, the beauty of doing this podcast and, and, and creating content is there's always going to be subjects that, like, yeah, yeah, this will be cool. And you're, but you're not super deluxe invested in or you don't have a lot of experience in but you're you're interested enough that you can do the research and cover it and have a good time with it right Mm. but then every so often Mm. much like this episode which was really important to me you get a subject back to back that's also important to you because that movie man meant so much to me as a child (laughs) uh that uh, i still remember most of the dialogue and i can regurgitate it on command if i need to 
Um, I'm really excited to talk about it because the movie is just a special experience. Uh, and uh, I, I, it has aged well in my research. I think it's aged very well. It's Minus some things. Some, some, things, some with, things which we will go yes. into. Some things that did not age nearly no. as well as I remember. No. And I completely, I guess my young mind didn't either get it or blocked it completely out. Because you're not a bigot. No, no. There's a lot of <laughs> shit in that movie. I remember, and I think the big takeaway, and Jeff, I want to hear your opinion on this film in a second. But uh, the biggest takeaway before we started watching it was that I remember thinking, oh, cool, you always have the Ninja Turtle you wanted to be. But Casey Jones was a badass, mm. right? And then watching it back, Oh, God, no. He's not. Okay, he's no, a degenerate. He, he is not to be idolized. Oh, no. <laughs> no. Uh, uh, I, I will make a lot of striking similar recalls. That I, if if Turtles happen today, Casey Jones would listen to the Joe Rogan podcast religiously. Yep. And I just feel like that's out there, right? He would buy the male supplements that InfraWars sells you, <laughs> right? It's... Do you, do you have are you a Ninja Turtles guy? Do you have a fond memories of the Turtles? I am. Yeah, that that particular movie was uh, one of the most vivid memories I recall as a kid of going to the theater with my dad mm-hmm. and my two brothers. Classic. Um, I hope Casey Jones is not beating somebody with a Jose Canseco bat oh. these days. But no, he was he's not to be idolized. No, nope. looking back. Have At the time, it? it was like, this dude's badass. Now, I have a I question. Like, I was like, oh, that's not great. Ahead of our, us, you know, recording, uh, I'm curious, Did you, have you watched the movie in the last, like, 10, 15 years? Yes. So, uh, the theater down at the waterfront, they were doing, like, 90s movies. Oh, were they? A few years back. And uh, I took Maddie with me to go see it. Oh, that's cool. Were you cringing yeah. a little bit with certain parts? Yeah, a little bit. Okay. Well, certain parts are still Because you're a good person. <laughs> uh, you're yeah. a good person. Certain parts are still Because I was like... Actually, I was yeah. like my dad gave me that experience, so I want to give my kid the same experience. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, "Doesn't shake out the quite." Doesn't the same always hold up. No, no, no. And we're going to cover all that next week. <laughs> yes, we are in and, grand detail. And then just to kind of follow up where we're going after that. And speaking of grand <laughs> detail and having things things that don't age well, uh, so we're we're having as you may have kind of deduce we're hitting our pattern again mm. right and we're at music which means next week is movies which means the week after that is pro wrestling and we are uh ironically the week of halloween here uh right. two weeks away so we're gonna dive into what is more halloween in wrestling than wcw's <laughs> halloween havoc 1995. Now, if you are at all a wrestling fan, you go, oh, Jesus, mid-90s WCW. But I assure you, it's far fucking worse than that. (laughs) Yes. Because you get Hulk Hogan versus the Giant in a fucking monster truck sumo match that takes place in the middle of the goddamn show. (laughs) I'm not going to go any further. Is this real life? Did that really happen? Oh, it's so real life. Oh, there's a whole thing. And, Scott, and, and, and there's nothing I have recently started prepping for this episode. And for every positive thing that's on there, <laughs> every positive thing that's on there, you get Randy Savage. I mean, I can't tell you how loud I yelled when I realized Randy Savage is on the show. Oh, shit. And peak Slim Jim Randy Savage on the show that you get Brutus the fucking barber beefcake as the Zodiac. Oh, you have a, a giant Yeti that comes out of a block of ice and dry humps Hulk Hogan to death. There's a whole bunch. Hulk Hogan has his best Vince McMahon steroid trial neck brace on for half yes. this whole thing. It's a whole bunch of fucking shit. We're going to get that for Halloween. Well, I'm excited because I haven't done any real research. I'm going to start at some point get in the next there. week or so. It's going to be it's going to be wonderful. But most importantly, uh-huh. this week, in a few days, Doc? Yes. Happy birthday. Uh, happy birthday. Thank indeed. you. Much appreciated, fellas. I an, appreciate an, that. An old soul. 
And it's getting old. there. And 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 a uh, increasingly older body. I guess right. I can. I feel it. Yeah. Every day. Mm-hmm. Every day. But mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Birthday's coming up. I'm looking forward to it. And uh, I don't know. It's landing on a Saturday, thankfully. So that means I can kind of like not go to work and I can just chill out and do whatever nice. I want to do. Play Destiny too. Uh, most likely, but probably not, because yeah. my wife will have plans. I'm sure for us well, to go do nice. something, go out. Yeah. You know, my lovely, beautiful wife. Um, but there will be some gaming in there somewhere. I'm sure. Okay. Most likely, Destiny two. Most after she now. falls asleep. Yes, because it'll be a Saturday, so yeah, I can there, stay up and game. Right, there it is, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, but we appreciate everyone joining us and listening, especially to our new listeners across uh, across all of Europe. We appreciate it. Not all of Europe listens. Uh, <laughs> Not yet. You know what? I'm going to go ahead and get there. Will. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say uh, to the fine people of Belarus, when you eventually discover this podcast, fuck you. <laughs> but you know who I don't want to say fuck you to? Jafar. Yeah. Man, thank you so much thank for you. being here with us. It was our yeah, honor yeah. and our pleasure. It was for you to genuinely hang out with us. a pleasure. Awesome. And a ton of fun, and I can't wait to do it again. Yes, so yes. It's going to be good stuff, and we will see you very shortly, and we will see all you, dear listeners, uh, even quicker. Because every Tuesday, baby, it's coming, whether you want it to or not. It's about to come. It's about to come. It's coming all over the place, every Tuesday, sometimes twice. Sometimes. Twice. Never three on. times. Never oh, three no, times. Not yet. That's when we get to Bret Hart and Steve Austin. Listen, like, I just want to tell you, I was thinking about this today. Look, <laughs> all right, look, and I know we got a close shop here, but I was like getting ready to come over here and everything, and I'm like thinking to myself, you know, there's a lot of episodes I'm looking forward to covering, blah, 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 looking at our list of things, and uh, we got down the pipe, but I was like, get the one subject mm. that I am so amped more than any other subject is Steve Austin and Bret Hart. There's so... I'm going to say this every episode until people are sick and tired of hearing it, but it's going to be so much fun to rehash that entire one, like, calendar year. Oh, yeah. That's all it was. One of the greatest feuds I have ever witnessed. And actually is the greatest feud I've ever witnessed. And it's, it, it's a lot of great shit to unpack. And we will get there. It, yes. as You know, we, we may have to, because of our wives wanting to be mad at us for talking too much and too long to each other. Yeah. We may have to, like, like take several days in a row off <laughs> of work. Probably. Right? <laughs> Just to be able to hash this out. But we appreciate you hashing it out with us, guys. Uh, and we will see you every Tuesday. Facebook, Instagram... Spotify. Apparently, Jafar is the one who actually listens on Apple Podcasts. We appreciate True it very story. much. Yeah. Pretty much Thank almost you. anywhere you can get podcasts, uh, you can listen to us. And we really appreciate you guys uh, hanging with us and, and, and listening. And hopefully you're enjoying as much as we're enjoying it. Mm. Uh, just stay safe out there. Be mm. good to each other. And we'll catch you next time. I just want you to know before you guys leave that your pleasure is secondary to mine. And I just want you to know that's the kind of relationship we have. All right? You can finish, but I'm going to finish. Okay. And this podcast is finished.